the Chitauri are coming. Nothing will change that. What have I to fear? The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Yes. I've met them. Yeah. Takes us a while to get any traction, I'll give you that one. But let's do a head count here. Your brother, the demigod. A super soldier, living legend, who kind of lives up to the legend. A man with breathtaking anger management issues. A couple of master assassins. And you, big fella. You've managed to piss off every single one of them. That was the plan. Not a great plan. When they come, and they will, they'll come for you. I have an army. We have a Hulk. Oh, I thought the beast had wandered off. You're missing the point. There's no throne. There is no version of this where you come out on top. Maybe your army comes, and maybe it's too much for us, but it's all on you. Because if we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn well sure we'll avenge it. everyone welcome back to episode 109 or 109 of gundam at mahq this is one of your hosts neo and uh joining me of course always is chris and solbro guys say hello sup gang yo oh man so too cool i'm just <laughs> way too cool that's okay crystal chris will be spouting off some uh, some newsroom-esque nonsense later because that's how important he is hey i'm i'm too cool for school oh no way <laughs> but uh well in this episode it's uh, it was originally planned to have a couple topics on this one but um we the we we had a guest and it ended up being such a good um a good interview that and long interview that we just decided to uh, hold off our uh, next installment of the Pat Relaver Roundup for the next episode. And uh, joining us for this episode is going to be Ed Chavez from Vertical um, Media. And uh, we're going to be discussing, mainly we're going to discuss uh, Gundam The Origin, uh, the release that's coming out by Vertical in March of 2013. But we also go into a lot of other things dealing with the current state of the manga industry and, and you know, and, and some of the things that Vertical Done is doing um, that is not dealing with um, Gundam. So uh, hope you guys like that. Uh, but before we uh, do anything else, we'll be going into some uh, listener-submitted news articles. And these you can always find and post on the NEO's listener-submitted news articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. And the first one here, oh, this is going this might be as long as the interview. This comes from Poster Dolo. And um, this is coming saying, Metal Gear Hollywood film conversion announced. Konami will at long last be bringing the Metal Gear franchise to the big screen. Announced at today's Metal Gear 25th anniversary party event, the film conversion is being produced by Abi Arad and will be re- released through Columbia Pictures. Speaking at the event, series creator Hideo Kojima said they've been searching many years for someone who could realize the project, and he believes Arad can definitely do this. Arad also in the, in the attendance promised to make a fantastic movie that stays faithful to the spirit of Kojima's Metal Gear. Chris or Solbro, begin now. 
Movie well, making has changed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the battlefield of Hollywood. <laughs> no, no announcements as of yet of who's going to star uh, in it. But always, of course, with what's amusing with this um, article that Dola put in there uh, were all the comments. First comment is train wreck imminent. So. Uh, <laughs> Because there's Metal Gear Solid the movie written by Paul W. S. Anderson and directed by Uwe Boll. Oh, oh. Jesus. Ooh, that's got, that's don't don't, don't you put that curse on that movie, Chris? <laughs> hey, I want to succeed more than anyone else, but oh, you, you kind of have to know that uh, the, the the record is not uh, encouraging up to now. Yeah, I mean it, it is Columbia Pictures, and I don't know. Um, I I haven't seen them do. Aside from the Spider-Man franchise, where at least some of them have been hit and miss, um, it just—I uh, don't know—I don't—I don't—I—it's I, going to take uh, the right people being uh, being brought on board for this. And Avi Arad—he—he's uh, kind of sketchy too. Uh, you know, he's—he's he's got a, a bit of a history, and not all of it's good. So um, I don't know. I, I, I guess we'll see what happens. I, I, I've got to hold off my. Um, my my opinion, but um, I, when they say conversion, do they mean adaptation, or do they mean we're gonna take what was done for Metal Gear Solid and um, you know, try to convert that into a CG movie or something like that? See, there's no details here, so um, convergence. Just pretty a real sure, word. I'm pretty sure they mean a live action yeah. adaptation. Yeah. I would imagine. I would like them to start from Metal Gear itself. Because you're, you're not gonna. Game. You're not um, gonna do something like this, and then yeah, and then just do it as a CGI movie. Yeah. That's that's not gonna make sense. But I, I would hope they would, and I guess my other hope for this is that they'll start from the actual original game, of uh, mm-hmm. the NES game when it when it comes to adapting the story and um, as a starting point for the story, so that we I can. I think they're it. probably gonna start with Metal Gear Solid because that's well, what's known and not Metal Gear. Well, damn you, Chris! You're killing my hopes and dreams as usual. That's <laughs> what I do. That's what I. That's what I do. Hey, I can't help killing your hopes and dreams, mm-hmm. uh, nor can I help with all of our. Uh, pacifist buddies who who declare their support for for peace and understanding oh god because <laughs> I, I need to step on those people especially so you you know who you are out there Ooh. you yeah. you, <laughs> you know who you are peter <laughs> wait 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 till wait till episode 110 of the age reviews Ooh. coming mm. we'll but, um, them and, and hear the lamentations of their women <laughs> well chris at well, least you're consistent I will. Uh, I, I will wait. Oh, Chris, any other thing on the Metal Gear movie? Uh, I hope it's good, and at the very least, the fact that Kojima is such a movie nut mm-hmm. um, would I lead just... me to hope that maybe he's going to be more hands-on than most other game creators would. And obviously, this is a huge franchise for Konami, so I hope that they're not as say hands-off as Capcom was with Resident Evil. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be uh, the, the the same old thing of cautiously optimistic because you do have Kojima in there, and and I said cautiously because for whatever reason, still um, video games just don't translate over to very good movies lately, and yeah. um, it, I, I think it, there's probably a lot of theories about it. Yes, the source material is probably there, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't been done yet so we'll uh, we'll see so thank you poster dolo for your submission next one here comes from enate dude and this comes from the gun jap uh website mm-hmm. and um oh chris actually Solbro, insert taps when i do this news article here all right 
<laughs> Bandai Entertainment to discontinue home video and manga novel sales. So it's officially the official death nail has gone through it. Bandai Entertainment, the subsidiary of Namco Bandai Holdings, that handles anime and manga in North America, announced on Friday that the company will discontinue sales of its Blu-ray discs, DVDs, manga, and novels. The company noted that it will make its final shipment of manga and novels to retailers by the end of October. Additionally, the company will make its final shipment of home video products to wholesale wholesale customers on November 30th. Bandai Entertainment had announced in Japan that it'll stop offering new DVD and Blu-ray and manga releases in February. Since February, the company has continued to produce and distribute its existing catalog lineup, but it no longer produced distributed new releases. The Bandai Entertainment had closed its online store last December. And there is an update here. Uh, a newsletter what, that Bandai had contacted a retailer that announced it will be discontinuing its home publishing and distribution effective March 1st, 2013. So, but it, it says it will it add the last day to accept new purchase orders is November 15th. So it looks like they'll actually be distributing to the March of 2013, but you're going to have to get your sales in now if you're a, um, if you're a retailer or something like that. So Chris, cue laughing. Oh, what? <laughs> no, more more like uh, cue the uh, the cue on Amazon and write stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Update that wish list, huh? <laughs> no, more like move move to shopping cart. I, yeah, that's I, true. That's true. <laughs> I, I just put in my order today for uh, the second collection of Erica Seven that I never picked up, and I gotta pick up some Gundam and some Escaflone and some Code Geass and some other Big O and all that stuff before <laughs> it starts going expensive because already. Uh, some things that I missed uh, have gone out of print, uh, including the Blu-ray for The Girl Who Left Through Time, Ooh. which people are selling on Amazon now for $170. Good God. <laughs> and Right Stuff just had it on sale a few weeks ago. Oh, damn. <laughs> but it's gone now, so... Oh, well. I mean, there's, hands, enough stock, there's enough stock for some of these things that they'll be around for a while, but uh, you know, I'm not going to take that chance. I also don't want to be beaten out by... Uh, hoarders who are going to buy everything yep. to then resell it at a higher price. Damn it, you so. got me. You got me figured out. Now, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Now, I ruined now I'm slowly trying to compute margins. <laughs> <laughs> were you trying to calculate how much you would get from that Gundam Wing Complete Collection Volume 1? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which there's probably 20,000 units of. Tw- uh, t- at $39.99 purchased, uh, I'm my Mark it up to one sixty nine ninety nine. <laughs> hey man, hey, greed is good. <laughs> I, yes, yes, Grand Nagus, Gordon Gecko. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all right, Solbro, any any hopers and dreamers uh, commentary on this? One day it might just get better, and these are dark times. But if we if we band together, anime fans will oh be boy. able to. Uh, to no, wait. To, I've got I've got Silbro's comments for him. What's what? Some people like Bandai Entertainment, mm-hmm. and some people don't. I can oh. understand that. You bastard! Oh. <laughs> Thank you, the representative from Solbro Land. Oh my right, God! <laughs> I, I come from the land of Switzer, bro. Switzer, Switzer bro. bro. Wow, Switzer that's, bro that, that, that's a new one. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Um, I, it's a, it's a shame. Uh, I, I'm sad to see it go, but I mean, this is what the right now 
Um, they, well, this... you know what, though? It's very interesting because it's a shame. But uh-huh. if you go to our interview later on in this episode, mm-hmm. some of it uh, are, 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 you know, the uh, Ed had mentioned that, you know, a lot of it comes down to business decisions and stuff. So I think this is a a, a consequence of business decisions. <laughs> so, but um, Although I am curious to see now that these things are going out of print, how long will it be before, well... I, I know who would want to snatch things up because it's either yeah. Sentai or Funimation. They're all that's left. But the question what about is, Funimation? will Funimation be in the, in the, uh, Funimation might be in the mix, but oh what I'm curious is, is how long will, um, Bandai hold these things close to the chest? Cause you could be sure that, yeah, uh, that Funimation and Sentai would love to get their hands on crap like uh, cowboy bebop. Yeah. Oh, Cowboy Bebop. And Co- Especially now that there's a Blu-ray coming out for the TV yeah. series in Japan. Mm-hmm. Gundam but, Wing. <laughs> well, Gundam. Gundam Wing. I don't think any. I don't think Bandai's ever gonna let anyone touch Gundam. Gundam, yeah. So, so that's out of uh, off the table, I think. But uh, everything else, you know, who who wouldn't want to grab a Escaflone or Bebop oh. or a Star or some of the or Ghost oh. in the Shell or some of these? Well, Ghost in the Shell might have gone to Mang- Mangler. That's Ooh. a weird situation, but still. The point yeah. is, how how long will these uh, be held in a vault? Yeah, yeah that's a good question. And hopefully, when they come out, they won't have all of the same technical issues that Bandai always did. Ooh, <laughs> like, oh, you want this DVD to play in your DVD player? No, that that we can't do that. Oh. <laughs> what you don't like closed captioning as opposed to regular subtitles? <laughs> oh, what's that? You don't want your sound? to uh come across like it was recorded in a tin can (laughs) jesus (laughs) oh you want you want the the episodes to actually play (laughs) the good old days (laughs) victim of their warranty cost more than anything so all right well thank you mr enate dude for your submission next one here comes from nasty nate and he's got a link for a youtube video of a new uh he's calling a cool america macross clone game coming to the ps3 and pc it's called strike zero so uh definitely check that out it's a pretty cool looking trailer so okay, i watched uh, the trailer and uh i have to take issue with uh i didn't think it looked that says. much either yeah because um Oh, am I hearing a straight talk, or is this? Could no, it's be not a straight talk, but just the fact that that it's uh, like anime style and has a transforming robot that is a fighter and a robot. I don't think that that necessitates it being a Macross clone. <laughs> well, I, guess, I guess it's like saying that Hawkin is a Gundam clone. When when is? Hey, we are living in a post Apple lawsuit world. So if anything even remotely looks like anything and the first person that did it they're going to be the ones you know it's a clone immediately a clone mm-hmm. because because consumers want transforming planes or in an anime style that means it's a clone so there you go indeed <laughs> thank you mr nasty nate for your submission mm-hmm. um the next one here comes from uh the the hod mm-hmm. and uh this is a uh, this is actually kind of an interesting um, a uh, an interesting article here, and if you, I guess uh, the Chinese have created a mind controlled drone. So uh, he's saying the early stages of funnels and bits. Oh yes, so look forward to teenagers yelling out things while they're 
hitting you with flower-like laser type thingies. Well, so, if, if it's uh, typical Chinese engineering quality, it'd probably fall apart. Oh, man. <laughs> if, if it's built oh, as man. well as their, as their express oh. trains are built. <laughs> Damn, And man. their sidewalks. Oh. It's time to bust out the robot tomes. That's all I know. Oh, God. <laughs> time, time to update that threat assessment now, China. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, thank you, Mr. The Hod, for your submission. Next one here comes from a, uh, a criminally insane Australian, Vent Noir, one of the most dangerous ones. And this comes from the, uh, the Anime News Network. And Crimin- if he's criminally insane, what does that make Moo? Uh, he's criminally devious. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> Vent Noir can use the insanity plea to, to, to plead down to a lesser charge. Moo's just, he's just dangerous. So, the uh, Giro Zetter anime is slated to uh, to air in Japan for uh, on October second, and this looks like it's based on a, an arcade game which debuted in June in a role playing game for the three, Nintendo 3DS, and it looks pretty cool because I'm seeing cars and robots, and that's a good mixture. Oh wow! Yeah, so um, definitely. Um, Check that out on all of the pre-torrent, I mean, order sites <laughs> when it becomes available. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Just don't kill me. Um, oh, uh, this one goes out to posters. Um, like I've always said before, episode 100, it was all covered. So stop doing those news, ar- news articles. Don't need to see them anymore. Um, oh, last oh. one. <laughs> from, a, from a certain anime? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> and we can't say anymore. Oh, my We gosh. can't do anymore about it. So um, the last one, actually, the, the last two here, there's, uh, they both come from Burtman 4. And uh, God damn it, computer. Sorry, I'm having issues. Uh, the first one here is for uh, housekeeping, like actual housekeeping. Hmm. Uh, there is a little, you know, those little, you know, like in Breaking Bad, the little robot vacuum cleaner. The Roomba. That, yeah, oh, the Roomba. Well, the Roomba, very, mm-hmm. very handy for hiding uh, rice and lace cigarettes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, well, Walter there's... White. This is actually a pretty cool one here. Um, Japan, Does it make meth for you? Does it spit out meth? No, no, no. Not, not, not. Not well. Not that we know. Not all the things are here, but there's a collaboration between Sharp and Gundam Front Tokyo, and there is a Haro robot vacuum cleaner, Ooh. and it's basically a Haro designed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's based it on around annoyingly and and say things that are stupid. <sighs> it, while it well, cleans. it comes in it comes in two colors, green or pink. So um, you might want the green one if it dispenses meth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if but, uh, the green haro dispense meth, that would be the best technological innovation actually, of all time. Actually, a green one would should dispense some weed, but um, <laughs> it's but just it's, there on the street corner, like uh, <laughs> oh, forget it. I lost it. <laughs> I, I, I just had a brain fart, and what seemed funny suddenly just became very stupid. So, oh, damn. Because, this is what makes this thing dangerous, and you two may want it, but I don't. What's up? This is equipped with the Kokoro engine artificial intelligence and comes with speech recognition features. Once again, the tomes are getting clutched even harder. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Just say the word, it says here, and the Haro har- robotic vacuum will do your bidding till it freaking kills you, sucks your face <laughs> off. I, 
<laughs> we know how this goes. What if you what if you ordered to suck somebody else's face off? Oh, I, well, all I know is it's got a it's fitted with a camera. Oh, jeez, LED lights. Yes, it's watching and recording you, and comes with a remote controlled maneuverability allows you to control it using your smartphone. Oh my god, this is Skynet so, all. So what if you're there like with with your lady or with your dude and you're having sexy time and yeah. Haro is just sitting there creepily across the room like watching you. That's worse than the cat or the dog watching you. <laughs> it's freaking it's just the cold dead robotic eye just staring at you and blinking every so often. Oh god. I'm getting more mag lights. I'm getting more Adama mag lights. <laughs> Put put a positioning them all throughout my house, <laughs> but just in this, case. This is yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, I don't know what to say about this. You, I know you guys probably want it, but I, I sure because you you can't wait for the robotic masters to come. So hey, you last know, one you know here. My plan. Yeah. <laughs> the last one here comes from um, Bert Man 42 And this is actually cool. Um, and uh, this comes from Kotaku. And um, it's actually, uh, there's a large box, <laughs> Gundam Gunpla box. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was uh, shown at the uh, Chara Hobby Figure event outside of Tokyo. Look at this thing. Uh, yeah, it's pretty damn interesting. Why you would want to make a box that big, I, I don't know. But um, as you can see, it's sitting in a convention center. God, every convention center looks the same, doesn't it? Doesn't matter if it's East Coast or West Coast or what. That, that must be the um, box with the Odaiba statue. So, yeah, definitely. And it was beside the... Uh, the, the uh, they also had the Gundam Toyota that we talked about a few episodes ago. Nice. And there's a bunch of other uh, figures and statues. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, check that out and kind of cool and disturbing in the same point. And uh, thank you, Mr. Burtman, for, for your submission. And that's it for the news in this episode. And if you ever have any news articles, put them on the Neos Listeners Submitted News Articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk Forum. So, guys, anything before we go into our interview? Well, I have a little something. Um, it's, 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 in, it's, it's something in a relation of... Uh, What's that? Don't leave me hanging. Well, I've got something. Don't here. leave me um, hanging. I asked you, and you're just like, I, I'm I, just saying. Okay, um, I've got something a little new uh, addition to our first segments. Whenever I I have something I hope and dream about, we're gonna we're gonna have something called the Hopers and Dreamers Corner with Sobro Real. And I will not it, allow it. Oh uh, man, I'm sure Chris will tear me apart here. But um, in October. An anime is going to be starting up uh, that I'm very excited about. Uh, it is the anime adaptation of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. No, 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 close, but not, not, not quite. It's the anime adaptation of the long-running manga series JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, I, I just wanted to throw this out there for anybody, any possible person, and this is where the hoping and dreaming comes in. But any possible person who could be listening, listening to this, that might be involved with the project or might be considering bringing it to the states, um, please do. Uh, and um, I would I would love it if I saw something like this on on uh, a streaming service service like Hulu. Hasn't or even, it hasn't even premiered yet. How do you it even hasn't. know if it's good? But uh, because I've read the manga that it's based on, <laughs> and it's starting off from the very beginning. Well, that doesn't of mean anything. Of, of course it does. If it's going to be based upon the manga, then it's going to get already going to be awesome. Um, okay. Well, I have my own appeal to make. You have right. to. You have. To. But 
here here's here's what I'm hoping for. A lot of anime have have been brought to the states almost concurrently with their Japanese releases on streaming service like Crunchy Crunchyroll and Hulu, and I would love to see this happen with this series as well. Um, it's being produced by Warner Brothers Anime, which is pretty big. I didn't even know they had an anime division. But apparently they're they're working on the series, and um, they're going to be starting off with the very first series in the saga for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which dates back to 1987. And um, the series has been lo- running for a long time, but I'm hoping it shows up on there so I can support the show officially. I mean, watching it on a streaming service means you're going to get commercials, but it's much better than actually downloading it through a torrent or something like that. And I, I would love to, I would love to see it be brought about um, officially to the United States, so um, at least in that capacity. So that's what I'm hoping and dreaming for. Well, here, here's my appeal. Uh, anime companies, mm-hmm. do not license this title. Oh, shit. Uh, do not pick up streaming rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not pick up any merchandise or more video games. Uh, and make sure that you specifically institute an IP block around Orlando, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you! Damn you! Just, just, just robbing me of my hopes and dreams. That's what Chris is doing his job, man. Like I it's said, what, consistent. Hey, it's like, <laughs> hey, it's like the turtle and the scorpion. It's my nature. <laughs> I can't deny you that, but uh, that—that's pretty much all I have for the hopers and either the frog and the scorpion, time. whatever. Frog, exactly, but uh, and I, I guess I'm perpetually the frog here. Yes, but, uh, you are. <laughs> But that's that's all for my hopers and dreamers corner. I'm but, still looking but I would be a smarter it. scorpion. I, I'd wait to for you to get to the end of the the lake first, and then I sting you when I get off. Wait till you get to the shallow end. They're like, chill. I'm out of here. So um, I, I have a question about this new segment. Uh, how reoccurring is this going to be? Any, anytime I have something I hope and dream for, it'll mm-hmm. it'll be showing up. So it's it's it'll be it'll be as consistent. So you mean every episode? Every episode. <laughs> potentially it could be. I mean, uh, I, I've expected to have the regularity of uh of of the of the Straight Talk Express. So every once in a while, I'll have something to say if I'm really um. And I got really a feeling inspired. it's gonna be. I'm, I got a feeling it's gonna be showing up more than a Straight Talk Express. <laughs> <laughs> it could because there's could. far less things that that I want to bitch about than. You want to hope and dream about? You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this will be interesting. Okay, well that's cool. So big news out of this: the debut of the Hopers and Dreamers Corner with go. Soul Bro. You know what you ought to do, Soul Bros? Maybe you should have a uh, maybe you should have a Hopers and Dreamers segment thread. Hey, yeah, you know people, what? people can uh, can uh, lament with you. their hopes and dreams, and and you can yeah. spread it along as like the the patron saint of hoping and dreaming. And oh. Chris can be there with his pitchfork, his pitchfork and torch. Exactly. I'll be, I'll be standing right there at the edge of the village, Ooh, you know, ready you to know. pounce on you. What? Why don't we just make this a week, uh, each uh, each episode segment? And Solbro, if you have a, a hope or dream, you can, you, of course, convey it to us. But maybe you should select the best hope and dream for from uh, the from this thread, and then me and Chris can crush it as. Uh, Yes. Oh, man, this is great. Well, this is going to be the birth of that thread then. On uh, Make sure to visit mechatalk.net and go over to the Gundammit MAHQ uh, 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 forum section over there and ah. uh, submit to the Hopers and Dreamers corner thread where you can submit your own hopes and dreams and I can uh, convey them on the show and then uh, they can get I'll destroyed. Mercifully crush them. <laughs> I'll just leave you with uh, with dirty shame and broken dreams. Nice. It'll, it'll make us all tougher in the end. <laughs> 
I, I do it all out nice. of love for you. Well, well done. <laughs> for all of you. Well, thank you. And F you at the same time. <laughs> I, I, I already in my head popped up all of uh, the uh, screen names that I can already foresee being the first posters. Okay, I do have one stipulation, though. What's uh, that? What, what's up? No, no Capcom. No Capcom. Cap- Capcom is banned from this thread. Oh, we'll save that for uh, we'll save that for fighters ready. <laughs> I just want to make that clear because then otherwise every every damn post would be about Capcom. <laughs> so no, absolutely no Capcom. We'll keep it mecha and anime related. That's what we'll do. That's what yes. we'll do. That'll be one of the that'll be one of the uh, stipulations. But that's it for me. Okay. All right. Well, uh, that's it for the news and the Hopers and Dreamers corner. Uh, we're going to be going into our only topic of the episode, which is going to be our interview with Ed Chavez from Vertical Media. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. struggling in the car you walk up you open the door and you say you're lying george oh uh hey you get your damn hands off her you really think i ought to swear yes definitely damn it george swear just how outrageous are the hosts of the anime addicts anonymous podcast bulma brief from Dragon Ball Z is such a tease. Anime. You're gonna go over to Master Roshi's house every day, wearing your little short shorts, your little sexy tops. Addicts. But you're not gonna let him tap that ass, even though he wants to tap it and he gets nosebleeds all the time. Anonymous. He's 500 years old, the man can't die till he gets laid. Let the man rest in peace. All I gotta say is, Master Roshi's sperm count is over 9,000. Podcast. Don't miss a moment. Tune in at aaapodcast.com and iTunes. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gum damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too?
All right, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. We've got a uh, special segment for you all this time. Joining us for this segment is uh, Ed Chavez, marketing director at manga publisher Vertical Link. Uh, say hello, Ed. Hi, how's it going? Well, we're happy to have you here, and um, of course, Vertical is probably on some of our listeners' radar because you guys recently announced um, publishing of uh, republication of Gundam: The Origin. But uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, just to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your your background? Because your sort of little bio here on the Vertical website is uh, pretty interesting. Your translating and manga background. Yeah, well, um, like many people who've been in the industry in North America. Um, I've long been uh, a fan uh, and consumer of Japanese pop culture. Um, my side uh, is a little unique to what most people will experience, though. Um, you know, a lot of people get interest- introduced to the culture through anime and maybe some people through video games and maybe tokusatsu and things like that. Yeah, in my case, uh, having grown up in San Francisco, I was uh, exposed heavily to uh, manga as a number of uh, manga publishers, uh, in particularly in the 90s, were based out of the Bay Area. So there was Viz and um, Dark Horse's studio Protus was in town, Comics One, DR Master. Uh, was around uh, Broccoli. Some of their staff was also in Northern California. So um, you know, there was a lot of that type of community there. A lot of those people would go to uh, you know, events, not just, not just um, anime and manga events like uh, Fanime, which is one of the longest running uh, anime conventions in the country, but also to a number of comic conventions over there. So um, I've never really been a comic reader, like American comic reader personally, but I would specifically go to meet up with people like Carl Horn and uh, Patrick Macias and Jason Thompson, people from Viz, uh, uh, you know, hear what they're reading and, and what they're bringing out. So um, after that, I started to do a lot of reviewing. Um, I'm not sure if any of you remember Anime on DVD. But yes, I was of course. Really, uh, I used to visit that uh, that site yeah. um, for like a good uh, ten or so years, at least. Yeah, yeah. I was actually one of the very first uh, manga reviewers there. Was reviewing before there was even like a manga forum there, and uh, kept on doing that until about like 2004, 2005, until I was kind of poached to uh, write for Publishers Weekly. So, um, you know, moving from you know, like literally a forum and, and website, like a fandom website to a major uh, publication like that was, was a pretty big step for me. And um, that quickly ended up transitioning to a number of other uh, positions. So doing some more translation work for uh, Seven Seas and was editorial for uh, Wildstorm uh, DC Comics, uh, eventually moving on to Japan to work for Kodansha, uh, where I was uh, translating, doing a little bit of marketing for uh, some manga and light novel lines over there, uh, also doing um, some a little bit of editorial as I was being uh, mentored into that, um, before coming back to the States to, to, to work for Vertical. There were a couple of other little you know, part-time gigs uh, along the way in between, but uh, those are mainly the the, the more significant uh, layovers in, in in my career. 
So did you study Japanese in high school and college? Uh, yeah, actually, I ended up uh, my, my initial major in college was biochemistry. And I did that for a couple of years. And I went to UC Berkeley, uh, where there's you know, Cal Anime. And, um, you know, I ended up realizing uh, very quickly, since I had to do some uh, lab work, um, Berkeley is situated near a lot of uh, the, uh, the bio industry, the, uh, particularly the, the medicine industry and the West Coast. Uh, uh, we would actually do some lab work at some major companies and uh you know it was pretty easy to tell that uh if i had any future in that business it was i was going to be in a, in a in a clean room wearing you know white suits for uh you know wh- wh- white coveralls for the rest of my life uh which you know wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing uh, possibly be a lot more uh, job security than my current job <laughs> but uh I-, I didn't necessarily think that uh you know working a pipette and a centrifuge for, uh, you know, 40 years or maybe 30 years if I were to retire soon um, or early um, was, would be ideal. Uh, so I ended up switching up majors after a couple of um, critical uh, life choices that were made around mm-hmm. the time. So, yeah, I ended up switching over to, to Japanese because I just had an, an interest and, and, and some prior exposure and uh, – yeah, I haven't necessarily looked look back. It's uh, quite a career change there. So um, since you got into Japanese culture through manga, what were some of your favorite titles in those early days and what are some of your favorites right now? Yeah, I'm not sure if people will recognize most of these properties because, uh, as I said, I was exposed to some of them uh, as, as a really young kid. Um, yeah. And, having, and being in San Francisco also, there were – when I was a, uh, a, a teen, there were a, a number of Japanese uh, bookstores. And outside of Kinokuniya, there were like three or four other ones that I could uh, go with my siblings um, to, to, to raid, essentially. So as a kid, I, I really loved uh, the Yukon Club. It has not been translated. It's, it's uh, just random uh, shoujo title from the early 80s, uh, which featured a bunch of really affluent uh, elite uh, high school kids who used their power uh, and influence or their, their extended power influence because their parents were uh, you know, important people of Japanese society to uh, essentially just party <laughs> so, uh, and, and to you know, solve uh, not necessarily crimes, but whatever heinous acts uh, that they were seeing or injustice uh, activity that they were seeing was going down uh, in their high school, they would just go out and be like, all right, I'm going to send like a helicopter to like kidnap somebody or something. <laughs> uh, so nice. I, I thought that was, I thought that was totally hilarious. Um, and, I haven't uh, read that, but the name does sound somewhat familiar. I've yeah, probably heard of it in, in manga histories. Yeah, it's, it's actually pretty significant. They, they, they tried to, Shueisha, the publisher tried to relaunch it like, uh, 15 years later because it was left uh, with a kind of cliffhanger ending and yeah there were like three more volumes released and there was like a live action TV series but uh, yeah that was really big in, in the 
early 80s. Um, uh, uh, my favorite manga, or like what, top three manga of all time, is Mason Nikoku. Uh, I, I love that Congratulations, title. Congratulations, sir. I, I um, applaud you for your taste. <laughs> <laughs> um, Takahashi. Uh, yeah, Takahashi, uh, you know, she, she, she's been influenced by so many people. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I I can't list them all because that's going to take a long time. But uh, <laughs> the fact that she can uh, do almost any type of genre and still do that within her like her own type of star system, I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, this is this is possibly like her most seinen of all titles. And ironically, it was also published like during the seinen boom. And uh, she she actually hits every button and makes it work uh and makes it just so satisfying uh which many people might have issues with her other works um i love urusu Yatsura, the anime to death mm-hmm. um i think the manga goes a little long uh even though i think it's hilarious um ranma is something that um you know inspired me to get into the industry when i was reading that as a, as a high school kid nice. um but uh you know i don't find either of those two as as fulfilling as Amazing Koku. Um, I've said many times online that uh, Pasu would you know, be a complete loner, loner and like, have no social skills if not for uh, you know, reading the, um, the hijinks of Yosaku Godai and, and uh, Kyoko Otanashi. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, I, I thank Takahashi for that. I'm actually uh, really stoked to have actually met her uh, as well. So that was pretty cool. Lucky. That's awesome. Uh, I think the the other title that I would possibly put up there um, uh, that that inspired me was uh, Devil Man. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I just you know love the power, the rage, the sexual frustration uh, mm-hmm. that's that's uh, uh, in that story. Uh, you know, it's 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 sad that um, uh, Dynamic Pro. Uh, has not been very kind to uh, North America because um, you know, Vertical has been trying to get that over for a long time, and and we just can't. So, um, but uh, you know, thankfully, you know, I, I I can always go back to my old you know Japanese copies and and uh, and experience it over and over again. Um, I really wish that that could be something uh, available for for more people to experience, though. Okay, so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Vertical, the company, and some of the other titles that you guys publish? I know that Solbro is a, a GTO fan, so I should be interested <laughs> in him that you that you publish uh, the, the the early years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, Vertical you know, his, historically has been a, co- a company that's been publishing uh, Japanese fiction, actually. Um, so uh, they debuted in 2003. They'd actually been around for a couple years before that, now uh, trying to get contracts and, and translating things in, in, in the process. And also uh, getting some capital, you know, some funds to make this all happen. Uh, but uh, after uh, you know, just a short period of time they, they decided to branch into other forms of Japanese media uh, animation was just 
way too expensive for for the two people who founded the company, uh, Hiroki Sakai and, and Yanni Mensis. But um, to to go into comics and to go into uh, craft books and cookbooks, you know, that, they're both well. At least uh, Mr. Sakai uh, came from a, a publishing background, so that was pretty accessible to him. And our first uh, manga was uh, Tezuka's. Osamu Tezuka's Buddha, Ooh, which nice. ended up uh, earning vertical uh, two Eisner Awards and two Harvey Awards. So they ended up quickly wow. picking up two of the top comics awards in the U.S. Uh, for a title that uh, was actually uh, well well respected in Japan. Not a lot of people had read it because it was actually written for a uh, a cult anthology, like a Buddhist cult anthology over there. So. Ah. Uh, you know, hardcore Tezuka fans knew about it, and you know there've always been reprints that were not published through that uh, that, that magazine. But uh, uh, you know, a lot of people in in the in the early '80s just didn't know it, it existed because you had to subscribe to this magazine to get it. Um, after that, Vertical continued to release uh, a Tezuka title or a classical work. Uh, Usually one, maybe two properties a year uh, until I joined the company. Uh, I was specifically hired to develop the manga line. And at that point, I ended up uh, quickly digging into my uh, connections at Kodansha uh, to try to acquire works from, from them because they're uh, the largest publisher in Japan. And uh, they, you know, they had a lot of... of um, content to, to look at. Uh, obviously, they were working with uh, Del Rey at the time, but their connections with Tokyo Pop and Dark Horse had kind of uh, been settled at that point. So uh, they were no longer working with them as much, uh, if, if at all, in the case of, of Tokyo Pop. So uh, there was definitely an opportunity there to, uh, I, I guess, raid um, some of their lines that weren't um, being focused on as much mm-hmm. vertical uh, releasing a lot of um, genre fiction we, we published the ring novels we published the novel adaptation of uh, actually the original novel of Parada- uh, parasite uh, eve uh, which ended up spawning off the video games and movies later ah, yeah uh, we did a lot of we do a lot of horror and uh, mysteries and crime fiction um so we were thinking of developing a manga line that was a little more in tune with that. So Seinen was really easy for us. And Seinen uh, covers a real lot of content. Um, and you can really see that in the vertical line. So my first acquisition was Cheese Sweet Home. And, uh, you know, just a manga about uh, a family adopting a kitty. Uh, might not seem like a Seinen title, but it runs in the same magazine as Vagabond. So uh, <laughs> you know, there's that. Uh, you know, alongside of that was Pipochu, which is uh, titled by Felipe Smith, the first American artist to make it actually uh, big over there and have, have a serialized uh, publication that, that uh, was collected into Tankobon. Uh, that story is essentially about uh, an otaku from the Midwest who has an opportunity to go to Japan and uh, he doesn't. You know, he, he just thinks everybody in Japan just reads manga and watches uh, anime and plays video games all the time. Uh, when he gets there, he realizes that his whole uh, vision of this country is a fallacy, and he you know, experiences a lot of culture shock. But 
uh, ends up growing up in, in the process and maturing in the process and making some uh, some friends along the way. Uh, friends that also had issues with America and w- you know, what their perceptions were about America. So that was that was a pretty cool title to work on. Uh, you know, after that, we we tried some more experimental work. So we released uh, Light Chi Light Club uh, by Samara Furia. Uh, some people might call it. Eroguro. Uh, I just think it's an alternative comic about teens who have trouble finding love, and what they do to solve that problem is they build a robot to uh, to to fix <laughs> to hunt to fix those issues and hunt down women. Mm-hmm. Um, the results, uh, you know, are, are not ideal because there are six kids and one robot and one girl. So uh, there's a lot of backstabbing. Uh, oh, along wow. with that. Interesting. Um, that's that's really hilarious. Another title that we acquired that's in a similar vein is a property called Velveteen and Mandala. Hmm. Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic uh, world where uh, zombies are now encroaching on Tokyo, and uh, well, you got my attention already. <laughs> there are. <laughs> There, <laughs> cool. Uh, I expect a, a, another sale this weekend. Then um, there are two girls that are responsible for um, protecting one corner of the uh, Tokyo suburbs from the zombie uh, hordes. Um, they're in high school. They've been provided a tank uh, and uh, a lot of ammunition to do so. Instead, uh, you know, well, well. Killing zombies, yeah, it's fun. It gets to be really repetitive. Uh, these are also high school girls, and girls, if they're around each other for a long enough time, tend to be really bitchy with each other, so they end up trying to kill each other in the process. Uh, that's a lot more fun. Uh, and along the way, they end up, uh, to keep themselves distracted, end up singing um, Yazaki tunes, uh, the uh, theme song to Gundam, as well as Evangelion. <laughs> and... Uh, um, often end up flashing uh, their body parts to not just uh, zombies, but just random office workers that hand, happen to uh, step in their territory. Uh, it's it's really good stuff. Uh, it's uh, it's got this interesting Buddhism subplot to it, hence the title. Uh, you know, circle of life, and obviously zombies come back to life. So. Uh, you kind of wonder, you know, who really is the zombie in this story? Um, mm-hmm. And so it's 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 very smart. It requires a couple of reads. Um, yeah, uh, more, more recently we published uh, the most recent story in the GTO uh, uh, trilogy, and that's GTO uh, 14 Days in Shonan, where awesome. uh, Eikichi Onizuka goes back to his hometown Um and realizes that it's back in trouble. So he's trying to, uh, you know, um, teach kids tough love back there. Uh, a lot of great hijinks. It's, it's, it's actually very current and very up-to-date. So uh, you know, Onizuka plays, you know, with the, with the PS3, and he's, you know, talking about, like, the most recent Resident Evil and the like. So, um, and, um, you know, a, a lot of the inside humor that was present in the original GTO is still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, uh, Onizuka still, you know, doesn't get the hookup. So, uh, manga's possibly most powerful virgin continues to, uh, <laughs> <coughs> ride high. um, we're also con- finishing off the, uh, prequel to, uh, the GTO series, uh, Shonan Junagumi, which, 
uh, Tokyo Pop dubbed GTO the earlier. So we're publishing volumes 11 to 15 of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have stated to, to fans that if sales are, are good enough for that, we, we would continue to, uh, we would finish uh, uh, the entire property. Uh, so we would release volumes 1 to 10 uh, and uh consider re-releasing the original GTO in an eight-volume omnibus. Um, I have to say that the numbers for earliers have been abysmal. And oh, wow. I, I understand why that is. Uh, obviously, we're, you know, we only started off with, uh, with volume 11. Uh, honestly, we, we couldn't afford to do the entire thing. Um, we're, we're a very small company. Um, but but GTO 14 days is doing okay, and we're definitely going to finish that that, that property. Um, I would really suggest that if, if if you do know any GTO friends and you want to uh, see a completely new translation of all of it, um, you know, go out there, you know, buy copies. Um, we have a lot of stock at you know at Amazon and write stuff. Uh, it's uh, Barnes and Noble, which is I guess one of the one of the few chains that is out there have now officially uh, cut GTO the earliest from from their ordering system because there has not been any demand. So, um, you know, you're gonna have to take to the internet's to go buy those books. Um, and then, uh, yeah, most recently, um, you know, we've also released an adaptation of Five Centimeters Per Second. Um, it's done really well for us. A surprise hit. Uh, we're going to be releasing Hero Man uh, in October. We have a title called Flowers of Evil, uh, which is about um, uh, peer pressure and uh, and um, a little bit of high school bullying. Uh, we have another high school bullying story called The Limit, which is a shoujo title, uh, which is kind of like uh, Lord of the Flies. Um, but but with girls instead, which is really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, going into the spring, we've got uh, you know, a couple of, of mecha titles. So we've got Knights of Sidonia by uh, Sutomo Nihei, the creator of uh, Blame and by Omega. So you'll, you'll see uh, not just humanids flying mecha, but also uh, space bears flying uh, giant robots. Mm-hmm. Uh and then uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Origin. Well, I think that's that's a good segue because uh, we each have many more questions to ask, but uh, I'm just going to throw out the question that our listeners are, are dying to have asked. So, uh-huh. uh, of course, Gundam fans know that uh, this is not the first publication of The Origin in America because way back in the day, Viz was doing it pretty simultaneously, but they canceled it. So, I guess... The first Gundam question is two parts. Um, why the origin and why now? Uh, I'll, ask, I'll answer the, the second question first. Why now? I think the timing uh, is pretty much uh, right. A lot of things kind of lined up really well uh, in this case. Um, I assume uh, you know all, all of you are Gundam fans, so <laughs> I, I assume uh, you all know that uh, Sunrise has already made uh, announcements of a potential origin animation. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, obviously, uh, none of us know what the distribution situation will be for that in the states. Now that 
uh, you know, Bandai Entertainment is no longer uh, per, well uh, releasing physical media in the states, uh, or at least they won't be af- you know, after this fall. But um, yeah. uh, they're still there's still potential for different ways for that property to be uh, viewed in the States and whether they're legal or not, uh, that's not something that, you know, me as a publisher is concerned. Um, my, my, my biggest uh, uh, focus there is that there is an, uh, there, or there will be an animation that, should come out around the time that this uh, property will be released in the States. So there will be some increased exposure for uh, the origin. Um, and on top of that, um, for people who are uh, into other elements of Gundam, not just the animation, I'm sure a few of you might be aware that they're, uh, that's Bandai and, and Sunrise have been collaborating on a couple of uh, kits, model kits specifically for uh, the origin already. A couple of them have been uh, coming out uh, uh-huh. over the last year or so. Uh, so there is a little bit of a buildup uh, for the, the the relaunch uh, of of this brand. Um, for us, uh, going to the uh, first question, origin uh, fits vertical the the best uh, of any Gundam property that has been. Com- Completed or was near completion. Um, you know, we acquired that before the the eleventh volume was was released in Japan. Um, it's 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 a work that uh, is a lot more mature um, uh, adaptation of the original Gundam property. Uh, it's it's new, but it's also because it's only you know it's been running. Uh, you know, since two thousand and two, if I remember correctly, to mm-hmm. Really recently, just just uh, just last year, um, but at the same time, it is classic because it goes back and, and reimagines the original Gundam story. Uh, it's got a great artist, you know. Yaz's art is just so clean and so awesome. You know, he's the, he's the character designer, and just to, to to see how he vision, you know, envisions the story, uh, I think many people will be very curious about it. Uh, and yes, we were aware that there, that there were people who had picked up the Viz uh, media editions. Uh, I was one of them. But, I still have uh, all twelve issues on my shelf next to all my other Gundam manga. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I I was collecting them myself, but uh, you know, I honestly feel that there was a way to do it better, and I'm glad that Kalogawa Publishing uh, released the uh, the collector's edition, the Aizoban, uh, as they're known over there, uh, because that really presents you know the origin in a way that that makes it really prestige and makes it really. Uh, I mean, almost, like really, really valuable on a sentimental level, mm-hmm. and I think Vertical has done titles like that before. Um, I'm not sure if you know you guys read too many of our, our titles, but we do a lot of hard covers uh, for our classical works. Uh, actually, very recently we, re- we released a title called Sakuran by Moiko Ano. Ooh. It's a it's got a foil cover. It's got a hundred pages in color inside. Um, 
Yeah, so so it's it's a very unique type of book, and we we do a lot of unique things with our books. Um, so when we saw Origin, uh, and, and we and we saw the package that 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 uh, you know, the Kalogawa did with it, um, we we felt that we could we could take that same package, release it to the states to the to the fans that uh, you know that love Gundam the most, that appreciate it the most, mm-hmm. and just put it out there for, for them. You know? And this will be, you know, our, our, our you know, olive branch essentially to, to that community, uh, something that we've done, you know, previously, so to, to other communities. And, um, you know, from that point on, uh, you know, we, would, we would evaluate and see what we can do uh, with other uh, properties that were similar in tone, maybe other Gundam properties. Uh, obviously, it would be based on how the fandom would react and uh you know so far things have been uh, pretty positive uh it's it's extremely early obviously volume one doesn't come out until uh you know next spring but mm-hmm. uh to see people uh on the internet um really react really well to, to see pre-orders uh even, even if it was very brief uh just for a couple of days on amazon you know shoot up uh you know way up high on the comics rankings you know th- that was very um uh, that that was that was something that really uh, assured us that we've we made some correct decisions and we made uh, a, you know some correct decisions in our not just in our acquisitions but uh, but also in our art outreach and I hope uh, that people will continue to uh, you know discuss it amongst uh, you know their friends amongst their fellow Gundam fans. Uh, and, and give this a chance. Um, you know, what I will say, though, is um, it is a long series, and we do intend on on, on releasing it all. But um, uh, you know, right from the beginning, we've we've made a point by saying that this, this is going to be a limited edition. So um, you know, if if if, if we're only going to print three thousand copies, and that's going to be it, it's because we only had like a thousand pre-orders. Or but if we print you know, if our print runs five thousand, then you know that we've got like you know, two thousand five hundred pre-orders or three thousand pre-orders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if it gets up, if that print run gets to be up to like ten thousand copies, we pretty quickly, like by the time volume two or three comes out, that we'll be saying, hey, we've we might have another Gundam title to announce. You know, so um, I, I I really want people to understand that this is not going to be an issue. Uh, where you'll be seeing these books on shelves for an extended period of time. This is a limited edition. You've got to voice your uh, your, your your need for more Gundam for this Gundam early, and uh, you have to you know commit you know for those ten, eleven volumes. In other words, vote with your wallet. Uh, you know, uh, we 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 haven't gone into this direction before uh, with this type of um, property before. Uh, it is a property that I'm sure you all know. Other people have done to mix results. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some you know, uh, you know, Gundam Wing was a tremendous success for Viz Media and for Tokyo Pop, but that was a long time ago, and that's not necessarily. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't. You know, they might have the Gundam property, 
uh, affixed to both, but I wouldn't put Origin and Wing in the same, you know, realm. You know, obviously yeah. they're not even the same uh, universe. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I want to ask you about that because um, Gundam Manga was something that used to be published here by Viz, Bandai Entertainment, and Tokyo Pop, and uh, it's definitely it's definitely lost. Um, a bit of a luster to its name in, in the decades since Wing and now Bandai Entertainment is out of uh, out of the game and the only Gundam you can officially buy in America is Unicorn directly from Bandai Visual. So with all of those factors in mind, um, did you guys think that there was a viable enough uh, Gundam fan base or market in America to go forward with doing the origin? Viable enough, yes, that uh, you know we could do a limited edition viable enough for us to consider uh you know not just doing a hardcover but a paperback in the future no i'll just be honest um is that a possibility absolutely but that's not something we're considering right now at all you know Mm -hmm. it's on the back burner we'll figure that out once we actually see numbers Mm -hmm. and we'll figure that out very quickly once we see numbers because as I said, this is a limited edition. I'm going to continue to repeat that throughout this podcast. This is a limited <laughs> edition. Um, if if people don't want to, if if they're just hesitant, and at any point in their purchasing, they're going to get uh, left out in the lurch. Uh, you guys who are on this podcast right now are going to get your copies. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And you guys oh, are going to be. You made like, your point on Twitter, and I, I immediately pre-ordered it on Right Stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure you guys are going to flaunt that to your other Gundam friends at cons and wherever you see them. Uh, you know that you'll have this gorgeous, you know, luxurious edition of Gundam that that you've never seen before in English, yeah. and well, you possibly about, never uh, see again about the the specifics of this uh, deluxe hardcover release for those who aren't familiar with the original Japanese version what's what's inside those covers what do you get okay so for to to start off i mean this is a hardcover gundam uh they're all going to be in about a 6 uh to 8 6 by 8 inch uh uh a hardcover each one containing between 440 to 500 pages uh for the most part, self-contained uh, story arcs uh, within this uh, 23, what was a 23 volume uh, paperback edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, inside there will be uh, uh, dozens of color plates, um, anywhere from about 12 to 24 pages of full color by Yaz. Uh, wow. They're going to be they're going to be mixed in, so you won't just have them at the very front of the uh, of the book. Uh, like almost every other chapter might have uh, some color. It depends on the volume. Some volumes have a little bit more. Some volumes have a little bit less. Uh, each of them will have a little. Uh, will have a, a two page color spread from a Gundam fan, a luminary in the business. So Volume 2, for example, has an image done by Clamp of Amaru Ray in a Gundam cockpit that's in full color and will be and should be in there. Uh, wow. We're in the process of negotiating the contracts for those additional pieces of art, but so far uh, that hasn't been so much of an issue. For Volume 3, for example... <clears throat> the creator of Genshiken draws all of the major women of Gundam uh, in full color in a two-page spread. So you have what? like 
those images uh, done. Uh, there's going to be an essay with the uh, mecha designer of the original Gundam in Volume mm-hmm. 1. Uh, it's like a two-page essay that we're translating. Uh, we're also working with Hideaki Anno of Neon Genesis Evangelion to translate a two-page essay that he also provided for the Japanese edition. Mm-hmm. So uh, there will be a number of little bonuses like that that we're considering. Uh, we're in the process of, of confirming some of these properties right now, but what I can, what I can say for Volume 1 is that the Mecha Designer's essay is definitely going to be in there. Mm-hmm. And I think Anno's uh, is is pretty much set as well. Um, so there'll be a lot of of, gu- of like Gundam you know, new type tech uh, that's going to be packed into this, nice. and not just the comics itself. Uh, so I think people are really going to end up appreciating the fact that they're going to. This is going to be an experience that's going to you know, reveal the origins of, of not just Gundam the origin, but Gundam itself. And I think a lot of people are going to be uh, really surprised by this. Um, and, and the fact that you, know, you only have to pay like uh, you know, 30 to – there are a couple of volumes that are, that are close to 500 pages, so those might be like 32 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a real steal because to, to get like these essays from uh, you know, Sunrise and some of these luminaries uh, – Translated. I mean, you, you'll run into scanlations of, of this work, but you won't get those essays at all, uh, and you won't get those extra color uh, art, that extra color artwork either. Um, this is this is going to be like the only place where you'll be able to to access that. So I imagine you guys are doing uh, a fresh translation and not reusing anything that Viz did ten years ago. Right. Uh, we we are doing a completely new translation on that, and um, that is in process right now. Uh, the uh, the the couple that's that's working on this are established Gundam fans, and uh, they they they're really excited to be able to work on this property. So uh, we we will be um, uh, working with uh, Sunrise and Bandai a little bit to try to make sure that everything is correct as far as terminology. Mm-hmm. Our CEO actually worked for Kadogawa and for Bandai. Uh, Previously, so he has those connections, and and hey, we're going to pursue them. Hey, can I just jump in real quick? Ed? Sure, mm-hmm. I'm just um, to open it up to everyone else. If you well, questions. this is just a comment to begin with. As you were speaking, I just bought it on Amazon, so um, we uh-huh. got one more order. So okay. one more free order. <laughs> okay. I mean, I put it on Right Stuff, and I think it was like. Twenty-three dollars on right stuff. So for for yeah. hardcover with that much stuff, that's that's a steal. There's no that reason not to yeah not to uh, pre-order it. And you know, if if you're tight on money, you, I think that you can reasonably save up for by the time March comes and they charge yeah. your credit cards. <laughs> right. I, I mean, a lot a lot of people have said you know um, you know thirty bucks for you know for 11 volumes you know 338 dollars um yeah if you go to amazon you go to right stuff that they'll they'll chop up it's uh like it's 19 dollars on amazon yeah. right now and that, and, and that and that and if you bought it now of course if amazon always fluctuates so you'll, right. you'd yeah. be locked in so yeah um it seems like probably the sooner that you start doing it exactly um, the better so and the cool thing about that too uh, this is just a like a publisher's insider uh tip is more people who pre-order 
uh, the, 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 the more that discount, uh, gets to be, um, yeah. it, it got to the point when I don't know if, I mean, th- this has nothing to do with, with Gundam obviously, but when the uh, twilight manga, uh, was, was put up on, onto Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, the pre-orders for that were so, so high that eventually the discount was like 75% off because there was, they, they, there was that much demand. Like Amazon oh. was getting so many orders that they could, that they can just ship out in volume and still make money. So, um, you know, that, that could be the case with, with a title like this if enough people uh, put their orders down. And as I said, you know, um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll be pretty upfront with, with the fandom about, uh, you know, on, on our channels. I, I can't go onto every single Gundam site that exists, every single Gundam blog that exists. But on the places that Vertical uh, does its communications, we'll be pretty open with, like, you know how limited this run will be. You know, so if if it's you know if it's going to be just that three thousand, or if it's going to be that ten thousand instead, uh, you know you you pretty much learn uh, about that with with good enough time for everybody to place their their orders in time. I do have a handful more questions, but I'll turn things over to uh, Sober and Neo if they want to yeah. pipe in with any uh, questions, and I'll just I, uh, hang back. <laughs> I, have, I have a couple questions. One of them mm-hmm. you answered when you were talking about uh, this again is going to – the life of this is going to be based on how successful it is because one of my issues has always been and, and you know with buying stuff in anime now is you buy something and then – you know, you get a couple of volumes and then it dies, you know, yeah. with no fanfare. So, I mean, you, you basically made the case. And, and I think it's smart that you're doing limited edition that makes it a little bit better. But um, the questions that I have is uh, first, uh, actually just really two here. Um, mm-hmm. The biggest one I see is I, I noticed on your website, most all your stuff is paperback and hardcover. Mm-hmm. Um with the proliferation of tablets and phones and e-readers and stuff, is is this not a viable market to go into? Is it uh, is it or is it just something that you're still still trying to be more of a, a niche market, or you feel that your fans are um, you know the type that would rather have the actual uh, paperback or hardcover as opposed to um, you know using an e-reader or you know electronic copy. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it has nothing to do with with Gundam, but um, no, I'm, I'm just sure. saying. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. What, I'm saying throughout because you know I, I I see this and you know it is a nice option to have. And yeah. I was just wondering. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'll, I'll I'll gladly answer that. Just understand that this um, uh, this is you know insider publishing. Um, right. The, the 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 sad truth is that while ebook proliferation for Traditional books and traditional books being novels, um, you know, nonfiction books that are just text-based. Uh, we've gotten to the point where about forty-five percent of all books of that nature are now e-books. Uh, the tablets, you know, e-readers—they've really exploded in, in, in that realm for the last like two years or so. Since not just the Kindle uh, price went down to like seventy-nine bucks, but you know, we saw the Nook and uh, come in Kobo and and eventually you know the iBookstore. Um, unfortunately, that's not the case for visual heavy books. Uh, mm-hmm. Cookbooks—it's only five percent of all cookbooks that are sold. Uh, on, on as ebooks, and almost all of those are sold on on the iPad, obviously because it's color, right? And it's right. also got a 
screen that you can read horizontally and vertically. Comics, it's even worse. It's 2%. Yeah. So if I only want 2% of maybe say we have a readership of 5,000 uh, Gundam fans that are going to pick up this title, I mean, that's just a couple of hundred copies. Yeah, and, and, and that's... I, 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 can't, I can't afford a license for that. I can't even yeah. afford a translation for that. So, and and, that's, and I think that's a good thing to know because we always... And that, that was the reason of my question because I figured it was probably... Um, a revenue and, and type of market share thing because yeah. we see this stuff, uh, we see that the popularity of this, and and I, even myself, I sit there and I see with uh, some of these ebooks and stuff that you know they're sometimes they're seventy five percent off the the cover price, yeah. and I've always wondered, okay, are they actually are the publishers even actually making money off this? Or but you basically answer the question that you got to have yeah, a high volume item to exactly. Even, make yes. anything off of it so and that's and that's a thing so you know you have your 50 stages of gray that's sold as an ebook and it's only like yeah. 5.99 um you know the margins are not very high but if you're selling you know 20 million copies yeah you'll, you'll, yeah, exactly. you'll, you'll start making sense if you're if you're doing a manga that is not a shonen jump title um your margins are going to be they're not just still going to be low because royalties for for ebooks are twice as high as they are for paper books because yeah. you don't have to print, obviously, and printing mm -hmm. costs is 10% of, of a book. Uh, so the offsets of that, and distribution is obviously another 10%. So the offsets of both of those things have been given back to the author, and that's a good thing. You know, yeah. Publishers don't complain about that. But but that's, that's, a, that's an interesting thing to know, though, because I think people are under the conception that, oh, you know, okay, they get rid of the printing costs and all that, and and even myself, I thought the same thing because I'm I'm not an insider. But the thing right. is, is that you you figure, okay, you got the printing costs and everything are gone, but like you're just saying here, yeah, those those costs go away, but then the actual payout to the author goes up because of that. So exactly, that's a very, because, inter that's a very interesting there. Yeah, so. because the 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 author's risk remains the same. Mm -hmm. If anything, it's higher because there's less marketing for ebooks. Yeah. You know, if you're on the internet, there is no actual bookstore that you can grab and like preview and read. I mean, in theory, you can go to Barnes and Noble read a whole book if you want, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Uh, and yes. if you if you like it, you'll buy it. If not, then then you don't. But at least the bookstore itself curates what they want to sell because they know this is going to sell. If you go to Amazon, you have no idea. You have to just rely on whatever metrics or whatever likes that you have. Uh, you know, and, and they'll try to tell you what you might like. You obviously can do a search, but you have, you know, you don't have like a shelf where you can just randomly grab something. You can preview things to an extent, but not not as well. Uh, so some of those some of those risks are now you know put on to the author, put on to the to the reader, and that's why the cost of the book goes down for the reader, and that's why the the royalty goes up to the author, and. You know, but the production costs are all still the same for for the publisher. Okay. And in the case of of manga, we have additional uh, production costs because we have a license, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we also have translation costs. We also have file costs. You know, yeah. if 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 we wanted to do an origin without any color pages. That would be a lot cheaper than than doing you know the this edition that that we're doing. You know, each color page page costs ten times more than a black and white page. Uh, it's it's two bucks for the color page. It's twenty bucks. I mean, two, uh, two bucks for the black and white page. It's twenty bucks for the color page. You know, that's mm. that's a cost that we're taking because we think it's worth it. And, but mm. at the same time, we're you know we're charging more. 
So on the subject of digital, I'm I'm curious though. Um, is a digital version something that you have to additionally negotiate for in Absolutely. the license? And yeah. also, um, Japanese licensors, what's what's their feeling on digital versions? Is it something they're supportive of? Are they skittish about it? What's it been depends on the publisher, experience? really. It depends on the publisher. Um, a lot of them uh, look at their own properties uh, from a Japanese perspective, how well they do in Japan. Mm-hmm. So they want to see those books that do well in Japan get better price points, get better contracts, uh, get a lot more exposure. Um when that might not necessarily translate to the states, um, you know, a title that might just be you know, kind of known over there might be a huge hit over here, and vice versa. So you know, you have those issues. You have certain publishers that go all out with, with digital on all sorts of fronts, like Karugawa. You know, they they had their own YouTube page. They worked uh, pretty closely with with Crunchyroll for a, a brief amount of time, uh, and then they kind of pulled back. You know, so. And part of that is them looking at their metrics and the like. Or you have Shueisha that, uh, you know, they've got their Shonen Jump and they're doing with Viz. They pretty much dictate, you know, which titles are going to go on there uh, based off of what, you know, what how they perceive the market to be. So, uh, you know, yeah, it really depends on the, on, on the publisher. More and more publishers are, are, are looking into it. More and more publishers are, uh, you know, they understand that digital will be the future. Um, and but they also understand that digital is going to be uh, much more significant to them overseas than in Japan. So their perspective on yeah. uh, that is really skewed, and th- it's it's not skewed in, entirely in a bad way because I mean you guys don't know this because you guys don't go to you know book and publishing conventions, but those people are here. They show up to those events. They fly out from Tokyo specifically to get information about the industry uh, here uh, or in like places where media and the internet in particular is really blowing up. They go to South Africa, they go to India, they go to uh, Dubai. They don't, you know, or they go to Korea. If, if, if you go, if there's going to be something like that in Brazil, not so much. There's be something like that in, in the UK, not so much because people still read paper. You know? So um, it's... It, and that, that, that brings. Oh, I'm sorry, but that brings up a, a good segue to my other question: is it's it's known throughout um, people in the anime community now, especially with you know fans and whatever in, in, in the Western side, that the biggest hindrance to the you know the proliferation of Japanese animation or manga sales in the Western world is Japan itself. And do you guys? I, I don't know how much you do with negotiations and stuff or all that, but how? How, how um, I guess, irritating it could be to, to deal with these people that aren't really seeing the light. Like you said, they, we see that digital is the future, but yet, you know, Japan's like, well, you know, we still do it this way in Tokyo, so that's just, you know, screw the, screw the remaining uh, world market. And it, just, uh, it seems like, to me, a, a, a recipe of um, failure, basically. Yeah, but you have to understand that we're a, we're a sub-market for them. I mean, oh, I understand that, but yeah, and, the thing is, in today's global economy, though, yeah. is there really any sub-markets anymore? I mean, when you have, well, there, yeah, there are. I mean, partic- yeah. I mean, particularly in the world where where I live, I don't, you know, I can't say with any confidence about the world of, of anime or uh, the world of video games or uh, you know, J-pop music and things like that. But in in the world of publishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the the manga industry in Japan is a third of almost a third of all of the publishing in that country. Right. Uh, the manga industry in in this in Japan is uh, larger than the entire comics industry in the states, including all of the movie revenue that Marvel and DC make. Uh, for a country that is a third the size of the of the states, uh, that's insane. Um, so our I understand. our market for them yeah. is pittance. It's not even like a, a tenth of their market over there. So they don't they don't necessarily they really don't care when it comes to publishing. For other elements, maybe. Uh, but for publishing, they they completely you know um, have all the cards and. And, and yeah, you know, I, I, I actually handle all of the licensing for manga in, in my company. Uh, I have to deal with uh, people there on many levels. Uh, large publishers I can work with directly because they have their own licensing departments. Right. Most publishers, uh, the vast majority of them, and there are like 50 manga publishers out there. They, they, they don't. I mean, they have licensing departments for internal reasons. You know, if they're going to do toys in Japan, if they're going to do an anime, an anime in Japan, turn, in, turn something into a live action drama or a movie. But they don't have like an English speaking or a French speaking department to do licensing overseas. They leave that out to two or three agencies that mm-hmm. handle, you know, 40 publishers in, you know, 100 with 100 countries and you know dozens of languages and covering thousands of of individual uh, you know series that's when things get you know a little frustrating because obviously these three companies can't you know they can't give enough attention to every single brand and by brand I mean you know they can't give attention to you know every single Gundam title you know, every, right. you know, every single shonen, you know, well, Shueisha has does their own thing, but they can't do everything from, uh, from, um, say shonen gohosha. So the the publishers who did Trigun and and Helsing, yeah, there are other books that the that that publisher does, but they'll only focus on like those two titles because those are the only titles that that you know hasn't have an anime for them, while a lot of other things fall through the crack. And at the same time, they expect uh, foreign companies to treat every single property like this as if they're the same. The the the, the contract uh, uh, advance or or minimum guarantee, as it's called over there, is pretty much going to be the same for a title that maybe you know ten thousand people read in Japan mm. as something that you know a hundred million you know a hundred thousand people read in Japan or like two million people read in Japan, and that's not necessarily fair, but. Uh, I mean, for 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 me as a licensee, but for the licensor, sure, it's fair because they want to treat all right. of their properties equal. So, um, and but the, at the same time, that shifts the risk onto uh, me and extends, right. and that extends out to the reader. And if it doesn't work out, then you know we lose that money, and the reader can't get their entire series. Um, so basically, yes. what you're saying then is. They're they're heavy-handed. They're almost kind of like mobsters in a way. It's our way or the highway, <laughs> and that they're not going to change, and that they don't see the big picture. That hell, even if you got one or two percent of the United States market out of three hundred million people, that's a lot of people, and you can, and sometimes you can only grow, and then you add in Europe and places like that. So, that, 
that that's a good explanation because uh, you know I think that that's one thing that um, a lot of fans and our, our, even ourselves we've talked about it before in on the show here is just that in the end they're not getting it that it's just Japanese centric and well we'll give you a boner here and there but you know don't don't uh, it's all the risk is going to be on you which seems like why all these anime houses and publishing houses have you know gone the way of dodo in a lot of ways so well yeah i wouldn't call them uh, mobsters uh, <laughs> but but at oh, the I'm same sorry, time it'd be, it'd be I'm, I'm, amusing I'm, image, though, <laughs> if, if manga publishers were yakuza and and if the sales uh didn't, right. didn't go so well you'd have to lose a pinky yeah right. um i mean we, it, you know Metaphorically, we 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 are because our wallets are being hurt, but uh, you know our savings are being hurt. But at the same time, um, you know we could also you know flip it over. I mean, I've had titles that the Japanese had no confidence in and you know, made them successes. And yeah, we're still paying the same royalties as we were for you know a title like GTO or, or Five Centimeters Per Second or Chi. Um, and you know on their side, you know they they, they kick themselves. Um, I'll, I'll be completely frank and say that Gundam is one of those uh, tales for them right now. Ooh, when I, when I went to go talk to Karogawa uh, about this, you know, they, they were pretty much scratching their heads also. They were like, okay, so we know what you guys have done in the past and we understand why you want to do this. But, you know, uh, I, what are your expectations for this? Because, you know, we'll just let you do this. And, uh, you know, in our case, we, you know, we laid it out and they were like, okay, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, when, we, when I ended up showing their agent, uh, uh, I did a screen cap of uh, the Amazon rankings when, when Origin went up to number three in, in the comic section. They were like, holy shit, we have to send this out to like the, literally to the president of Karagawa. Because <laughs> um, they, they were like, everybody was like, like nobody expected anything like this to happen. And at that point, they're like, "So, do you want to talk other Gundam right now?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, we still got nine months to to make this, you know, to figure out if this is going to work." And like in two days, you know, that that ranking went down to like a thousand. But um, so, you know, that's 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 where we need to continue to work, obviously. Well, and that's if you do where, talk like, with anyone about more Gundam, I can already predict you'll be uh, deluged from the internet with requests for uh, Crossbone. <laughs> Uh, oh, Sentinel God. and yeah. uh, Shars deleted affair. <laughs> yes, at the very least. <laughs> Just giving you a heads um, up. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the, the the only way we'll get to that point is if if is if we prove Japan wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the core of all of this is that um, the sales have to be there. Uh, the pre-orders have to be there. And consider consider me another buyer because I missed the train on uh, Gun of the Origin way back when when it came out from Viz. And I'm not missing this. So, <laughs> Well, so. it's not a train that I think you'd regret missing because I just have these 12 useless issues just sitting there oh, yeah. on my shelf that, that will be uh, you know handed me down to, to someone else to make yeah. room for uh, the new editions. Heck yes. eBay. But, eBay is always a good place for that eBay. stuff. <laughs> so I only had one or two more questions, Ed. But uh, Stolbro, before we wrap up, did you have anything you wanted to toss it, out? It's a throwback. I mean, you answered pretty much the majority of my questions, but uh, I have a question that's a throwback to uh, uh, to some of the titles that you mentioned earlier, um, primarily GTO and Shonen Juni, Junai Gumi. Um, uh, since you guys picked that up from uh, Tokyo Pop or, or license rescued it, not not so much from Tokyo Pop, but from the um, mm-hmm. financial publisher. Um, any other manga from Tokyo Pop you might be interested in? Uh, I used to, I, I collected a, personally, I collected a initial D and that came yeah, to an abrupt end and I know that's yeah, still too hurting. long. 
yeah, too long. It's too long. We can't afford it. Yeah, too, yeah. we can't afford initial D. I don't. I don't blame you. I mean, it is. It's still running in Japan for yeah, Christ's sake. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was that was just a question I I had. Any any other uh, Tokyo Pop series that you were yeah, thinking uh, about? Mainly, up? mainly, maybe not for the uh, you know Mecha Men, but uh, we, we we will be releasing uh, Paradise Kiss, uh, and that starts at the end of this month. So we're doing. A uh, an omnibus edition with color plates and a new translation, new cover, a new new uh, uh, scan because um, Tokyo Pop did a scan out of the books. We, mm-hmm. We've got some, uh, some some new images from the publisher. That starts uh, as I said this month. It's three volumes. Um, we we have looked into a couple other titles. Um, we're competing with a lot of other publishers uh, right now uh, that are trying to you know pick on the carcass of tokyo pop so <laughs> things uh are gonna be a little slow in that regard um I, I i will say that there won't be too many uh other properties from tokyo Pop that we were considering um they did have some some they had, they had an, a number of, of big hits uh many of them their time is pretty much past um right. many of them are also you know, like like uh, initial d and like the original DTO, uh, a little on the longish side for like a small publisher like us, mm-hmm. uh, we tend to look at properties that are uh, between one to ten volumes, uh, or properties that can be done in a in a special edition. So you know, going back to the very first question, uh, you know, Origin fits that bill on both uh, levels. Um, so even you know, just a couple of minutes ago, some you know, one of your colleagues brought up some other Gundam properties. You know, they will prioritize the properties that we think we can uh, present in a nicer format than the properties that are just you know uh, that are just you know, Gundam staples. So, mm-hmm. um, so Tokyo Pop doesn't have too many of those left. Uh, I really wish we could have done uh, like a. a a definitive battle royale because they did a, a hardcover uh, re-release of that, and and they really screwed up the, the translation of that property. Uh, but unfortunately, well, Tokyo we Pop can't. screwed up a lot of translations of things. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. to be well, that, that was to be that honest. was yeah that was a complete rewrite though. So that's that was very unique. Um, yeah. But we've we've asked for those rights, and and unfortunately, we were I, we were either beat out or or they're not available. We, we, we couldn't pick them up. So, um, but there, there are things we're still looking at. Uh, I think by this time next year, um, if we have anything, that would be about it. So just keep an eye out for the next, like, you know, I don't know how, so. uh, profitable this was for them, but if, if you guys did the 12 kingdoms novels, all of them, I, I would yeah. love you guys forever. Yeah. yeah. We actually, I, I personally, uh, wanted to, to release volumes, uh, the, the volumes that they had, that Tokyo Pop had published as ebooks and then continued the rest with an ebook and print edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, those rights are no longer in my grasp. So they, they, that book was published previously by Kodansha. Mm-hmm. And so that's the in author, their, their territory now if they choose to do something or not do something with it? Oh, well, we're, we're a division of Kodansha, so we, we have those we have accessibility to that. However, um, the author has moved on to another publisher and taken that property to another publisher. She's also put that she also put that property on hiatus. Uh, so uh, we have we can't even ask for it at this point. So the near permanent hiatus at this point, I think, would be the yeah. <laughs> better description of, of those novels. But um, yeah. 
I, I had two questions left, and the first is uh, there have been a lot of you know massive shifts in the American manga market the last few years. Tokyo Pop being dead, Viz kind of retreating to just being uh, the Shonen Jump company, uh, right. Kodansha stepping in and taking back lots of licenses from people and getting in uh, with their own hands. So how how would you rate? Um, sort of the health of the American manga market, especially for a small publisher like Vertical? Uh, it's very interesting. I think, you know, a couple of years ago, and or even like at the start of last year when Borders went um, belly up, um, a lot of people possibly would have felt uh, the industry was uh, in yet another um, uh, session of decline. But honestly, looking at it, Pardon me. Looking at it from from my perspective, um, we're we've quickly gone through a correction phase, and I think we're going through a, a minor growth phase. Um, and, and here's the reason why I, I feel I can say this: um, go, go look at look, go look at how Yen Press has expanded over over the last few years. Look at how Seven Seas, who is literally as small as Vertical. Uh, is now you know releasing like four to five manga titles a month, uh, and some of them are doing really well, like Dance in the Vampire Bun or Toradora. Uh, you know th- th- these these are these are properties that have that have gained or like Railgun. Uh, these are titles that have gained uh, uh, pretty good recognition that are seeing really good sales, strong sales. Maybe not the sales that we saw during the manga boom, uh, but everything was inflated during the manga boom, which is why I tell people online. That if a title was published during that time and it failed during the manga boom, don't ask for that now because there's, it, it's it's definitely not gonna not gonna work out now. No matter how much the the the, uh, the market has has matured, which is why yeah, I once think again, the failure of of ADV <coughs> makes that clear. Of you can't just release you know tons yeah. of D grade no name titles and flood the market and expect right. them to do well and and be sustainable. Right, and then. Um, you know, vertical. We've, you know, as I said before, we used to release one or two properties a year. Now we're doing three to four manga a month. Uh, that's pretty much our our max. We, we've we've only got five people in our staff, and we do almost everything in house. So we just don't have enough t- hours in the day. But um, uh, you know, we're seeing some growth. Dark horses picking things up a little bit more. Uh, their schedules might not be what everybody uh, would appreciate, but they're they're also licensing uh, a little bit more. Um, and I think even on the case of Viz, the your your point about them kind of retracting, uh, you know, I, I I would agree if if I were an analyst, um, but I think it's something that they needed to do. Um, I think oh, Viz yeah. was getting to the point where they could have been like a like like an ADV. Um, I mean, they, yeah, they definitely just, had a lot of stuff. So there's nothing wrong yeah. with cutting the fat, but right. it also limits your variety a little bit when everything is, you know, shonen tournament fighting series, <laughs> practically. Right, but when your when your parent companies make a living off of that, you know, sure, it brings what are your other whether your whether 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 your other options. Um, you know, that's not to say that they're not you know they're not doing uh, uh, sig titles here and there. They they just launched a, a, a BL line, so. Um, you know they're they're investing in places where they feel uh, things are stable, and and I think that's the best best thing to do right now because you know the economy is not great and uh, we're losing bookstores. So uh, and honestly, that's that's still where most of our sales tend to be is in physical bookstores. If 
if you rely on online sales, I mean, forget about eBooks, but if you rely almost exclusively on exclusively on online sales, uh, you're pretty much uh, certain that a title is not going to be finished or it's going to have a very limited run. So, um, you know, w- without actual physical s- stores for people to pick up uh, and sample copies, it, it gets it gets to be a little difficult. So, you know, their decisions are, are, are reasonable. Uh, you know, I possibly would make the same decisions, though. I, I do think they have a couple of titles that they could that they have access to that they should release, but um, you know, I, I, I don't work for Viz, so. Right. Um, but uh, you know, I, I actually think it's a it's a very interesting time because I don't I don't think uh, you know I don't I don't think you would see an origin if 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 there wasn't any potential for the future. I don't think people would try like a title like uh, like like Hero Man or Knights of Sidonia. I don't you know. Uh, I don't think I don't think Viz would do Boys Love if, if manga wasn't still you know viable in some way, um, you know. So it's 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 not as gloomy as people think. Um, there's there's still I mean there's, it's pretty obvious that there's still a lot of frustration with the fans with um, you know a lot of the changes that have occurred, um, particularly with publishers you know disappearing. Um, nobody wants to see you know their favorite title. Uh, and especially that way, because you never know if someone's going to relicense, you know, you know, license rescue. But um, unfortunately, that's not the fault of the rest of the industry. You know, that's those are in some cases poor business decisions on the companies that went bankrupt, some or or shut down. Sometimes they're just you know bad, you know, or or. You know, regretful decisions made by you know their investors or or their parent companies. So, you know, that's you you can't turn that around and you know hate on Dark Horse or hate on on you know, Yen Press or hate on Drawn and Quarterly or, or Vertical because you know Bandai, Bandai isn't giving you any more Lucky Star. You know, so right. Well, you I, just I kind lied. of have to move on. I lied. I actually have two questions. I'll make them real fast. Uh, <laughs> okay. the, the first is um, how um, how big of a problem is uh, the pervasiveness of manga scanlations where you have slips, even slipshod translations that show up a few hours after, you know, the manga hits uh, the bookshelves in Japan? Or is that really not an issue for you guys since most of the focus is on these super huge, you know, your one piece and fairy tale titles and not and you guys obviously don't publish uh, super huge titles like that. Um, you know, actually, I mean, I, I wonder. Um, it's it's kind of funny because a few years ago, uh, we we thought we were pretty much immune to that type of thing, but uh, fans or you know, or just or just uh, people on the internet began to act, literally scan our versions because it was easier that way. Ooh. And. Uh, mm. You know, at that point, once that's a, what that started to happen, and like uh, we don't, you know, most of our books don't sell in the tens of thousands. Though we do have a couple. Um, once we saw those like mid-range titles getting scanned like that, we we did see some pullback on the numbers, and some of those properties are going to get phased out at this point. Um, you know, it's it's really hard to say. You know, I uh, you know some people think that that uh you know scans are marketing honestly I, I really don't think that's the case in, in, in any way um, but at the same time um, 
you know, I kind of do feel that uh, people who are, who are exclusively just going to just read uh, scanlations, are they necessarily going to pick up the book anyway? Or were they going to pick up the book anyway? Who knows? You know, best not to necessarily market to those people or, or, or really look at those people, go after people who, who uh, you know, do put down money, do put, you know, um, their uh, wallets where their mouths are. Um, yeah. Know, so better to actually, you know, spend your time, uh, positive or negative, on, on where sales are going to occur. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think any of us can can stop, um, you know, these these alternatives, uh, whether, whether you want to say that they're illegal or not. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think if, 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 a pu- if publishers provide uh, better alternatives, alternatives that, that people feel have value, um, you know, they can possibly uh, reap some rewards. Um, yeah, I, I wish more people uh, felt the, the way that you did in publishing industry because the the truth is you're never going to stop piracy of yeah, exactly. any sort of entertainment yeah. product. It's make a product that's better than what the pirates can offer. I mean, no one ever thought that back in the 90s that you'd com- how do you compete with Napster being free? Well, iTunes certainly did. So, you know, if you make a better product that's accessible for people, they they will buy it. So I I'm glad that at least you guys understand that and. Uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot. That uh, if if you just watch fan subs and you just read scanlations and you don't actually put any money behind these products and support them, then you're not really a fan of those. Right. Um, yeah, and you're not going to get products. marketed to, and you know the industry isn't going to listen to you, and you know that, and, and all you're going to do is going to be complaining to you know a vacuum, a vacuum of other people like you, and that's you know that, and that. Maybe you know that may be significant to you, but just don't feel that the industry is going to be listening. You know, we're going to yeah. be listening to people who who want. Well, there's there's, there's a generational divide because the 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 three of us on this podcast we're old farts. We see anime and manga <laughs> as as collectors' items, and you've got this younger generation that's grown up on piracy, and they just view all entertainment as just disposable trash. You consume it and move on without a thought afterwards. So. Um, my last question is, uh, you know, being a, a Western anime and manga fan, there's a lot of fumbling in the dark trying to figure out the, the reasoning and, and the motives of companies in America and Japan that are not necessarily very transparent. So are there any misconceptions about the manga publishing industry that you'd like to quickly clear up while you've uh, got the mic here? Uh, <laughs> or would that be another hour of discussion? <laughs> so, well, well, yeah, it possibly would be. Um, well, but actually, well, how about it, the it, biggest let, one? If there's one that occurs to you as you know biggest misconception of fans and your interactions with right. them that you want to clear up about the manga biz. Uh, hmm, uh, well, yeah, I'll just really quickly rattle off a, a couple of these. I think people sure. need to understand that yes, authors do get paid. <laughs> Original creators do get paid. Um, there are royalties. We do have advances uh, that we provide. Um, they, they get paid on both sides. I mean, no one's no one's getting completely abused in, under these circumstances. Um, so I uh, I don't I don't know why I, I run into that a lot online. Uh, but um, I think it's I, uh, just yeah, justification it's, it's very, for, for piracy. Very strange. Oh, 
these greedy companies, they don't pay the authors, so that makes it yeah. okay for us to steal on behalf of the author who's not getting anything anyway. Right. Um, I, I, this, this might not be a misconception, but I think people should understand that um, un, un, unfortunately there are current particularly in, in manga more so than anime there are current current situations where there is there are exclusivity issues with certain publishers uh, if anything this might be the most frustrating and maybe potentially the most damaging elements in um, in manga right now uh, where you you may have whole publishers that you know only work with you know counterpart in the states that american counterpart only picks you know a couple of titles that they feel the most confident with maybe just because that's you know that's their their style and those are the genres that they like there may be dozens of other properties that other publishers would love to to take a chance on they feel extremely confident on uh, and about uh, but no one can can acquire them unless you know they're they're working through that that initial uh, partner. So uh, uh, you know, that's that's very frustrating. I got a lot of questions about why can't I get you know why can't vertical pick up a shonen jump title? Uh, I mean it, it's it's obvious to us, and we yeah we, we say it over and over and over again. People just don't 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 get it. You um, you can but, never uh, underestimate people's lack of understanding about yeah, uh, but, some fundamental uh, things. But uh, I mean, it's not as if we don't want to, yeah. to publish those books. We would sure you know, we would we would gladly you know sell our, our grandparents to do so. But. <laughs> um, uh, and I've tried, but it's it's it's, it's not it's not possible. And, and actually, I I really do think it's very very damaging to the industry. Um, and then second of all, um, I mean third, uh, this this is kind of my last point. Um, it does take time to actually produce quality. So right. um, uh, unfortunately, publishing in the states. And very few people outside of the industry know this. It's a nine-month lead time from uh, an announcing a book to, 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 to bookstores and to the time that they get onto shelves. So um, th- that's actually one of the biggest reasons why you don't see a lot of uh, simultaneous manga releases um, in the states that start off like right from the very beginning, simultaneous. Because like right now, Viz is doing a simultaneous thing with Vagabond, where a volume comes out in Japan and in like a week it comes out in the states. Well, that's because they're getting like the chapters as they come out of Japan to translate, and they get the files at that time to work on them. Mm-hmm. If Even you do with that, um, Origin, uh, ten years ago, it was not simultaneous, but pretty pretty damn close. It was pretty I mean, damn they, close. Right? They they had yeah. it really fast after it started publication in Japan, but. Right. Obviously, they have you know uh, connections that not every other publisher has. Yeah, and actually, it's it's possible if you're mid series to, to to get that fast. Um, mm-hmm. but like for example, when we published um, volume nine, which is the most recent volume of Cheese Sweet Home, that came out in Japan in in uh, April. We published it here in August, and the only reason it took us to August was it's printed in Japan, so the the the, the freight takes two and a half months to get out here. So we could have had it out like within a month and a half if we printed in the states, but we wanted to use the same Japanese printer to keep the color 
Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's possible mid-run. If you're doing that from the very beginning, um, you need to be working with the artist right from the start, like right from their conceptual point. And uh, you know, having worked in Japan, I know that, that uh, you don't get um, uh, page files from the artist until about uh, somewhere between two weeks to at the most about like six weeks before it goes to sale. The print time is usually the, the lead time for printing because Japan is so small. It's just a small country and they can distribute really quickly. It's usually about one to two weeks. So um, you know, it's, it's really easy for them to turn that stuff around really fast. But the States is really wide. And uh, we have a lot of warehouses we need to ship out to. And on top of that, obviously, we need to do translation, we need to do lettering and retouch. So if we're able to get the stuff, you know, six weeks in advance, you know, four weeks in advance, we can cut off some of that lead time. But printers here work with a month lead time schedule. So no matter what, we're going to be, you know, at least a month behind, maybe two weeks behind at the very most if we get things really early. So just, you know, it would be really good if people understand that uh, for the speed scanners, obviously they're just, you know, they're getting the magazine. They're just you know, as soon as it comes onto shelves, and they're scanning, and there's no quality control there, right? And they're also yeah. not scanning like the whole, you know, 300 pages of Shonen Jump, or actually 600 pages of Shonen Jump. Ooh. They're just they're just translating like Naruto or One Piece or a couple of, of of stories here and there, or maybe their circle only only focuses on one of those stories. You know, uh, they're not they're obviously not doing them all. Uh, we don't we don't have that luxury, yeah. You know? So, right. um, and we also need to get approvals from Japan. So, everything needs to be you know uh, signed off. So, uh, yeah, that, that does take time. And, and I and I completely feel for the readers because uh, you know we do we, we we do understand that it would be better if we can get closer to that lead time. And I think that's why Viz is trying to do that with uh, you know Alpha. Shonen Jump Alpha, but they're also getting the files right from Japan. I, I know the translators that work for them. They're, they're getting them like a day after Shueisha and Jump gets them. So, um, but they're also, you know, they're also a week behind. So yeah, that's well, I definitely uh, feel for your plight because unfortunately we live in, a, in an on-demand society where everything is just gimme, gimme, now, now, now. Mm-hmm. And people don't take into consideration all of the different aspects that go into uh, licensing, translating, printing, publishing, all of all of that. It's not as simple as people think. Yeah, definitely not a not an I mean not entirely an overnight process. I mean if we were if if we were in the same time zone as Japan, I think it would be a lot quicker. Um, you know, if Japan was where Brazil is, uh, you know, I, I I don't think we would have like so much of the full week to two week of an approval process but mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately that's the case I and mean, we're not we have to wait like a full day because right now it's you know it's late at night in japan so right um you know the, we have to wait for them to wake up tomorrow morning and get get into the office so just those issues make make things a, a, a bit of a problem well clearly we have to find some way to move japan to brazil that's yeah. <laughs> the only that's the only solution that I can, I can see. Just, just, just to replace Mexico and Japan, and with Japan, we're we're all good. Yeah, just throw it out there in the Caribbean; they'll be they'll be fine. But yeah. uh, Ed, I'd like to uh, thank you for taking all this time to talk with us. It was uh, fascinating and illuminating. So, 
Uh, Gundam The Origin Volume 1 comes out in March 2013, available for pre-order on Amazon and Right Stuff. Any other outlets that's available for pre-order? Yeah, it's, it's available for pre-order at Barnes & Noble right now as well. Uh, if you're uh, living overseas, um, you know, Amazon UK has it live now. Amazon uh, DE, which is in Germany, has it live. I think uh, Amazon France has a uh, wish list button uh, for people to uh, put on their wish list. I think that might go live pretty soon. If you're outside of those regions, go to bookdepository.com. Uh, they deliver free worldwide for uh, purchases, I think, over 25 bucks um, outside of the States, of course. So um, you know, if you happen to be uh, <clears throat> you know, in, in uh, Zaburo in, 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 in Brazil, you want to uh, actually you know, read a, a Gundam story from the base down there. Uh, you can you can order from Book Depository. Or if you happen to be like in the farthest reaches of Siberia, that, that's possibly the best place to go to. Well, you heard it there, folks. I don't want to hear any excuses about not pre-ordering these uh, these volumes of manga. Do you guys have a schedule set up for the subsequent volumes? Like when yeah. volumes will be out? Uh, each volume will be released uh, three months in a three-month period. So uh, with Volume One uh, in March, expects Volume Two in uh, June. Um, and uh, then uh, we'll be seeing Volume Three in September, Volume Four in uh, in December. So it'll be like a Christmas edition. Uh, as as I said previously, it's going to be about uh, eleven volumes long total. So um, get about four books a year. Pretty good deal, I think. And as I said, um, you know, just just to wrap, just to wrap up. Uh, Yes, it's a limited edition, but we, we will be looking at numbers pretty closely uh, throughout the whole process. And uh, if things look really good, uh, you know, uh, if you want to see a Char side story, um, uh, that's something that we can possibly consider if, if the numbers are there. But if, uh, if not, um, you know, uh, as we said from the very beginning, this is a limited edition. It's not a limited edition for Gundam for us, uh, but you, you guys will have an opportunity to, to experience it and what we hope will be uh, the, the, the the highest quality effort that has been done for uh, a Gundam manga yet. So. Well, at the very least, you have three suckers right here who will gladly buy <laughs> <laughs> it all. I can guarantee at least that much, but uh, hit us up with your web links. Before we close out. Yeah, uh, you can go to our main website uh, to find information about uh, most of our books uh, there. We mainly actually put information up about uh, current releases, uh, prop- properties that are currently on sale at uh, vertical-inc.com. That's www.vertical-inc.com. Uh, if you want to get uh, up-to-date daily uh, information about uh, new releases, properties that we're working down the pipeline. Uh, you know, just get updates. If you have any questions specifically about about Origin or any of our other uh, titles, hit me up on Twitter. Our handle is vertical ed, uh, vertical underscore ed. Uh, yeah, so vertical underscore ed for for our Twitter page. Uh, we're also at Facebook. Uh, so just go search for Vertical Inc. Uh, or facebook.com uh, forward slash vertical dot ink uh, ink being inc uh, we're also on tumblr same thing uh, vertical ad over there too um, and 
Um, I troll on uh, 4chan as well, so uh, if, if you're on the uh, Slash M pages, uh, I'm the guy uh, who is known as the Standing B. So you can ask questions there, there if uh, if anything is pertinent to uh, to this particular publication. So uh, yeah, you can you can find us at most places, and uh, if, if anybody else has a podcast or blog that uh, wants to uh, speak with us, yeah, I'm always available. My email is ed at vertical hyphen ink dot com. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us. We will uh, be counting down the days until March 2013 and uh, look forward to more releases. So, again, thanks for your time. It was a pleasure. Not a problem. Thanks for having me on. I thought they smelled bad on the outside on the subject of Cowboy Bebop. So, but anyway, going back to uh, the good parts that I missed. All right. Uh, phase boobs. Phase boobs. <laughs> we haven't talked I have about to say, that yet, was but... not a good part for me. That's something I didn't really pay attention to. I enjoyed the boobs. Thirteen-year-old, thirteen-year-old uh, adolescent David would like to have an argument with you, ma'am. Oh, I can see how you would have enjoyed that. Hey, it's just—are you more of a leg person? Is that why you weren't looking at her boobs? Because her legs are nice too. No, it's just that you see, I have my own set. I really don't need to worry about hers. That's the best argument I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I think uh... that conversation. There's no way for me to Congratulations, you won the show. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Please check our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com. Spill it! Or we take you out in the alley and we knock it out of you. You needed the money, so you killed her. That's not true, goddammit! <laughs> everybody to Gundam at MAHQ. This closes out episode 109, where we, at, it's, where we have an extended segment where we interview Ed Chavez from Vertical Inc., who is uh, involved with the re- upcoming re-release of Gundam The Origin, um, the manga series that uh, reinterprets uh, the original Mobile Suit Gundam anime series. Um, if you want to find out more about that series, you can definitely head on over to uh, vertical-inc.com. That's I-N-C. And you can follow Ed on Twitter at, at vertical underscore Ed. 
also definitely um, pre-order the uh, manga it doesn't come out until March but uh, every pre-order counts and if you uh, definitely want to pre-order the manga and help out uh, MAHQ at the same time head on over to MAHQ.net and find the uh, Amazon.com uh, uh, the advertising link that's there click on it and then um, pre-order the uh, the manga that way that way you can um, definitely not only pre-order the manga but it counts towards MAHQ and uh, a hit from, from the website so definitely help out that way outside of that uh, we're going to jump right in to the mailbag and I pass the mic over to the postmaster himself Chris alright well we've got some voicemails this time as well as some regular questions and of course we take your voicemails at 305-792-8324 or 305 SWAT bag if you prefer our first question comes from Mobius Diablo I would just like to know what's that all age or destiny and also what do you think is the better movie um Gundam movie The Awakening of the Trailblazer or Charles Counterattack okay so I know that we have to uh go through these endless comparisons of age and destiny but uh can we at least wait until the show's over <laughs> there's only there's only two episodes left for christ's sakes yeah right so, i agree to that yeah so and we haven't even finished talking about the show on on gundam so just give us uh give us some time here and then we'll we'll, we'll get around to that in um due course but until then i will ceaselessly uh advocate for the uh, slaughter of every single vegan because why <laughs> And and also the uh, the tar and feathering and the drawing and quartering of Keo because screw this stupid ass retarded little kid. Ooh, he needs to die in two thousand fires. Damn, but you are clearly in Flit's corner. <laughs> not necessarily, but you know I'm not a ra- uh, a raving lunatic of they killed uh, my family and my little purple haired girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I just recognize uh, existential threats. To humanity, unlike a bunch of pansies who uh, think that talking to uh, crazy grunts in the middle of battle is is like a smart idea. So <laughs> I live in reality. Damn. Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, all right. <laughs> and, and 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 I agree too. Until we finish the show, we can't really say much, and it, it wouldn't it wouldn't do it justice to do comparisons at this point that we're still done and haven't completed the show yet. So. Here, here. As for the other part of the question, uh, which movie's better, Trailblazer or Counterattack? Uh, it's kind of a hard question because they're both wrapping up things, but in very different sorts of ways. Um, I haven't seen either movie in a while, so it's uh, kind of hard for me to say which one I like better. Yeah, it is hard because when I heard this, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, and you're right, they, they do wrap up things, but they kind of do it in their own way, and it depends on what part of the story or how their story is where double o it seems like it's wrapping up the double o universe but with the uh, shar's counterattack it's it's doing the armor of shar chapter of universal century which we know after that there's still tons of stuff going on so <laughs> and and we see that and, and we've seen in other installments of of um universal century that you know something especially in unicorn uh things that have happened in Shars Counterattack have been uh, referenced, so yeah, I don't know. I, I hate saying it sounds like I'm kind of wimping out by not saying one or the other. I'm kind of pulling a soul bro here. Oh. I, I really don't know. Um, it's hard to say. Well, for once, I won't be Switzerland on this. Um, and this is no slide against uh, Awakening of the Trailblazer, which I thoroughly enjoyed. 
But um, there is something about uh, Shara's counterattack that I, I just enjoy more from. Um, I don't know whether it's the uh, the fluid animation or the fact that uh, the Amaro Shar conflict comes to a head. But there are a few more elements about that movie that I enjoy um, that, that that raise it a little bit above uh, Awakening of the Trailblazer for me. So I, I can definitely tell you that that one is the one I would uh, give preference to. And and frankly, when it comes to Trailblazer, I mean. Uh, I don't see what the trail was that was being blazed, and I don't know what or or whom was awakening. So I I just don't understand that. <laughs> well, and I mean, thinking about it now, I guess I might go a little bit more towards Char's counterattack because of the Char celebration song there you in go. the subway. He's so that alone. That alone. I don't I don't remember Trailblazer having any. Uh, musical interludes well it did have the cool thing at the the movie the Mm -hmm. the movie the uh the uh movie interpretation of double o (laughs) (laughs) of celestial being but yeah so i'll say slight my i revised my my thinking slight edge shy's counterattack because shar is mighty for our prayers yes (laughs) Yes, yes all right and next we have a voicemail from our pal Dalo. I was wondering, do you think that the burn rate in anime anime in Japan is a little too high? I was thinking about that because every time I think about anime being like really expensive over there, and I was thinking that maybe is it because that the production rates are just too high, are so high that they have to price them the way they do just to make a profit, and I mean a major profit, or do you think that it's just because that they can actually charge that much in comparison to the American studios over here? where they charge it that to make a profit, but they know that it's very little. Do you think the production levels, and at the same time, do you think the licensing levels are a little too high for both sides? It's just kind of a, a something to think about, that's all. All right, so when it comes to the pricing of anime, uh, something that we've talked about a lot before, so I'll just make it quick and say it again. The pricing is very different between Japan and America because they're going after different markets and in different ways. In America, it's all about... Uh, Volume. Think about it as the Walmart seller economics. You sell something at a really low price, which then gets lots of people to buy it. So you make lots of money by selling lots of copies of that item. Japan is more of a collector's market. So they are going after a deliberately smaller audience with most releases that they know will pay higher prices. Yeah. And and, and in turn, people are probably like, well, then I guess Japan makes a lot more money off the off their items and the american companies do not necessarily because the more units you produce the costs go down and you know so uh, they probably the american the american markets might actually make more money uh, but hey it works for them and they're not liable to change anytime soon so. yeah i mean that's the thing and that that's even something we discussed during this uh, our past segment during the interview with ed so there you go i'd refer back to that for discussions of of licensing yeah so. definitely so keep those voicemails coming in. We're going to switch to the regular mailbag. And our first question comes from the gatekeeper. And I just have a note for our posters. Please, please um, don't hit us with these massive TLDR posts. I mean, is it really hard to just set up your question and be direct and to the point and simple? <laughs> and I don't mind. I don't mind lots of questions, but I don't want every question to be a dissertation and not every question needs to have like some kind of little skit thrown in. I mean, they can be funny, but seriously, guys, just 
try discretion. to cut some of the fat and use some discretion. So I'm not going to go over everything in this post because it's just too damn long. So I'm going to jump around here. And uh, part of what Gatekeeper asks is, how do you think the various conflicts of UC would have played out had MSV and side story characters in mobile suits teamed up on screen with their anime counterparts and fought their respective wars? It would become Unicorn Episode 4, but with the Federation. <laughs> When I, when I first saw Shar's counterattack, I had wondered where all of the side story suits and pilots were. I eventually came to the conclusion that whatever side story suits hadn't been destroyed were most likely in the hands of Anaheim. But what about all the talented super pilots? Hey, wrong universe, buddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those super pilotos in this one. Yeah. Who we've been introduced to. While not an MSV, Judo could have participated in the second Neo-Zeon War. He was turning the ZZ into the Gump, but where were all those MSV side story guys? Also, I had read somewhere that the novelization Belter Chica's Children, Amaro, had requested the Zeta be brought out of storage, but was turned down because Anaheim kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with this a lot of order. Uh, Judo, in case you saw, basically told uh, the Earth Sphere to F off, and he went to Jupiter, so... <laughs> Yeah, and it's a long trip from Earth to Jupiter, so I don't think he would have been coming back for the second Neo Zeon War or for uh, the sleeves. So don't don't expect him to uh, pop up in those sorts of conflicts because it's clear he he did all the fighting that he wanted to. Mm-hmm. As far as all this other stuff, uh, I really don't know. I mean, a lot of these variations that we see are just some kind of a gimmick or they're a prototype version. So I don't know how big of a difference they would have made. The only one that I can see being sort of a big deal would have been if Amaro had actually gotten the Alex. Yeah. Oh, wow. If the Alex had fought against the Zeong and had, you know, the, the Chabam armor and the Gatlings and all this other cool stuff, and I think he might have definitively killed Char right there, which obviously would have had a huge impact on UC history. But Hey, you say that. You, you say that. So here's here's my side question. Here's my mailbag question on the fly. Oh. Who would have the RX seventy eight dash two been handed down to? Kai oh, or, or Hayato? Oh Sayla. yeah, Sayla. yeah, probably. You're right. Well, she did become a pilot, so I guess that that, that would make sense since she attempted to drive it uh, and then and to pilot then, it. And then uh, then the core booster, Job John, probably would have got it then, right? <laughs> and he would have died promptly. Yes. As for uh, Belter Chica's children, uh, I haven't read it, so I couldn't, couldn't tell you. Um, there's a question here. Is Goofla Boof a Solbros man? Oh, boy. That, I don't even <laughs> think I'd go that far. That's just insulting. Yeah, that's insulting to the Solbros men. You know, it's funny. I, I just heard, uh, or, or are you saying that's like an insult to Goofla Boof? <laughs> <laughs> it's an insult to Solbros men. Yeah, I know. That's what I think, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I heard about him on... Um, there's another podcast we all listen to here on uh, Gundam called Hollywood Babylon, and they were talking about him and his latest movie. Um, what was it? Lawless? Where uh, he, I guess he was drinking on the set uh, because he wanted to get into character. And his his act his actress co star did not want to you know she was so pissed off she just didn't want to be anywhere near him I, I I don't know he's damn goof what what happened bro <laughs> I say continue I say continue so oh, we don't man. have to deal with you anymore just keep pissing everybody off Shia man you need to get your stuff together bro no man. no you don't continue oh, man no 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 <laughs> as much as I have to say about that All well right, thank you he- for the Hollywood update Soul Bro Ryu you're welcome. Courtesy of Ralph Garman. <laughs> he, uh, he also says, you know how much 
Chris loves and cherishes the idea of a live-action adaptation of anime. You were more excited about G-Saber than Sobro was about Origin. Admit it. <laughs> what? If you say so. Oh, man. Uh, but no. <laughs> that being sarcastically said, do you think that an expanded universe live-action Votomes could work? Mm. Within the mecha genre, I think it is one of the only shows, expanded universe, which would work as a live-action movie. Well, d- depends if you mean live-action Japan or live-action America. Oh, it'd be pretty damn cool if it was a live-action American one, because that's the type of action. Oh, don't don't even get started. I know you. I already know what you want to say. Oh, <laughs> I'm just saying, man. A no, I director? know you're saying. Yeah. No, I'm not even talking about directorial choice. I'm just uh-huh. saying. I'm saying, Chirico, people would love it just because he's a freaking mumbling, pissed-off badass who just murder machine. Yeah. I mean, you know, who and you'd love it even more if if it was directed by uh, a certain man whose name rhymes with hey. Hey, man. And you know who they could get to play him is uh, uh, the the person that Hollywood's in love with so far. Uh, Ryan Gosling, man. He could do Why? it. Man. He could be like you'd be. Oh, the, he, that Not, would be the shit, on. bro. It's all about Channing Tatum now, man. Channing Tatum. Oh, it's all about Tatum. Oh, yeah. man. As long as it's not Magic Jason Mike. Statham. As long as it's not him. <laughs> oh, my God. Turkish. Mike. My God, Turkish! You become you just you're just going for the checks now. Oh Jesus! <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it could work. I think Votoms could actually because you would think about it too. The scope dogs are a lot smaller, mm-hmm. so on the scale of you know putting them as war machines would make a little bit more sense, you know. And and I hey, I'm actually for it. I I think it would work. I mean, you'd have to have a a, a solid writing staff, but. And and you know stuff like that and good casting, because no, no Vin Diesel either. Oh. No Vin Diesel as uh, Chirico. Damn. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> also responding in uh, interpretation there. He says, yeah. uh, lastly, speaking of Chris's favorite type of movie, do the Gundam guys think that a big O live action would work if William Shatner were to play Roger Smith? <laughs> I can hear it now. A, chi- a-, a choir chanting. Paradigm negotiator. That's the worst. <laughs> that is a horrible idea, and you should feel bad for. Actually, for, that's a pretty cool parody, though. If you were to able to do that, that would be a parody, but not 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 yes. like for real. Yeah, you don't. Have... <laughs> that would be hilarious because you know, you know, if you actually pitch that as like a little short film to to Shatner, he'd do it. It'd probably be hilarious. So. Oh man, I wouldn't mind a big O live action movie. That'd be yeah. pretty cool. With uh, with a good, with a I don't know who you would do as Roger Smith. Just get you, Tatum. <laughs> oh, maybe you could just do Roger Smith from The Cure. Is Roger Smith playing Roger Smith? There you go. He probably bitch too much. Get <laughs> I get I get I makeup on the control paddles. So next we have Stagrider who says, "Hey Gundam crew, which is more deadly?" Ali Al Sausage with the double O riser or Lelouch with a day on. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, is there any parameters on this? Because if Nunnally's still alive, then Ali Al Sausage is still more dangerous than the double O riser because Lelouch, he, you know, the Adeon is going to blow up half the universe or whatever. But mm-hmm. if Nunnally's there, he wouldn't, he wouldn't unleash hey. it. No hey, way. I, I understand what you're saying, but Moonlight Butterfly wins the match. <laughs> hey, this, hey, wait a second. I, I call BS. You didn't say the Coliseum rules apply to this question. <laughs> you got to call that before you do it. This is just like uh, street ball. 
You, you got to call your. You got to call the bank shop before you make it. So nice. no, no calls. Oh damn it! A- anything Aliyah sausage. I, that guy's just dangerous. There's nothing that would stop him from killing. So uh, Lelouch has some. You know, there's, even though even though he did some twisted things, Lelouch does have some principles. And, as long, yeah, but as, the thing as, is, Lelouch uh, can't drive it by himself. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so he's that, that he's already he's already done. And he's not a good pot to begin with. So. As long as long as uh, as long as your last name's not V Britannia, you're pretty safe in a lot of ways when it comes to Lelouch. <laughs> so. All right, next we have K one seventy three who says for the whole trio, as you might have heard from Comic Con, Neil Blomkamp's upcoming film and follow up to District Nine is called Elysium and has a pretty interesting premise. Read this excerpt from the Wikipedia entry. Oh. In the year twenty one fifty nine, two classes of people exist: the very wealthy coordinators people who can afford biogenic engineering who live on Elysium, a pristine man-made space station built by the Amardine Corporation, and the rest who live on an overpopulated, ruined Earth. So yeah, I'm not saying Blomkamp is making some Gundam Seed homage or even a fan of the show, but what an odd coincidence. Did you guys notice this? I, I no. <laughs> I did. I've, I've been following up on this uh this movie. It's got uh Matt Damon as the lead, and um, they finished filming it a couple months ago. But um, yeah, it's it's uh it's very interesting. I, I like District Nine. I know Neo didn't care for it all that much, so he's probably turned off on this film already. But uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing it. The whole coordinators thing did uh, catch my eye though, because um you know we already know about coordinators from Gundam Seed, and I don't know if it's any kind of direct homage or if it's just a coincidence that they did that or if the concept of coordinators have been referenced in other works of science fiction I, i'm assuming it's probably that so um maybe uh that's well it's a, it's, a, it's a small world though now too so i you know who knows but, but um i'm looking yeah. forward to it I, i'm wondering if, when i see it i'll be able to answer that question a bit more convincingly but uh at the moment i couldn't tell you anything the only thing i look forward to is pacific rim enough said all right, next we have Nasty Nate, who's, <laughs> who says, Since I already asked Chris a while back in Chaos Theater, Sobro and Neo, what characters would you like to see in the upcoming PlayStation All-Stars Smash Brothers type game? What's, who are the characters? Like what? all of the Sony characters. You know, so like Craig, Nathan so Drake and Drake Kratos. are already in there? Yeah, all these guys. They, Ratchet no, and Clank. They also announced uh, several other characters. Um, uh, what's his name from Tekken's in there? Hayachi? Oh, uh, really? Young, young Hayachi's in there. Oh. Um, you also have uh, the new Dante from Devil May Cry. And I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, uh, Raiden from Metal Gear, uh, Metal Gear Solid and Revengeance is in there. He just got announced. So you got some characters from other companies in it. Um, gosh, uh, who would I like to see? Sounds um, like they got it all covered. I mean, <laughs> if I if I had my 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 hundred percent pick, like any anybody from any video game company, that's I would, what he said. I would love to see Jin Saltome from Cyberbots. I'd love to see him in there. Um, that would be my pick. Uh, outside of that, that's the that's the first character that comes to mind. What about John Madden? Is he? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. If, if you said from any video game thing, why not John Madden? The turducken attack, bro. <laughs> Telestrator. <laughs> Telestrator Typhoon. If we're going with an EA theme, what about um, Soldier from Battlefield? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? What about um, Race Car from Need for Speed? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, uh, Bring back the, the, the uh, Daytona Hornet. No. That was the, in Fighting Vipers, man. 
Jer- Jeremy Clarkson was in Forza. Why not him? Sure, why not? He'd be like uh, he'd be like Dan. <laughs> <laughs> he'd just sit there and taunt you the whole time, not really be able to do anything. He'd be out of breath. He runs you over in the Alpha Romeo. <laughs> Then it uh, then it aptly blows up. <laughs> yeah, All right. Ooh, All right. He also asks. We always talk about how bad Gundam games are. In your opinion, how would you make a perfect Gundam game? What kind of perspective, gameplay, story, universe, etc.? My answer for this is simple. Uh, go redo Rise from the Ashes and make more games like that. Oh. <laughs> well, those those arcadey games, the the Capcom arcadey like the seed games, those are pretty good. Good. I mean, mm-hmm. we just don't know. I mean, he probably should have said we just don't get the good ones in America or the or the West. They do have some pretty good pretty good ones. Those are those are pretty cool. But yeah, I, you're I, right though. Rise from the Ashes would be cool. Oh, we know we know mobile ops. We know. Oh mobile boy. Ops no, no. I want I want the I want the Gundam game that best simulates the experience of piloting a Gundam. There are the arcade games in Japan and I'd love to have those games come over here, but that's never that's not gonna happen. But um that would be the perfect Gundam game is that uh, one that would perfectly give you the, the, the experience of piloting different different versions of Gundams um in in, in in a simulated environment, I would love to so, see that. So, I, and when I get into this Gundam game, it automatically makes me bitchy and whiny. Yep. And then I just have in, on, on the other side, in the in a little view, view screen next to me, I just have uh, a little thing of bright bitching at me the whole time That's about right. make. Oh, man, that would be. It threatening to slap you when you get back on board, man. A hand comes out, like a robotic hand will come out and slap you across the face when you fail your mission. <laughs> where the fuck? Oh, sorry. Where, where the hell is where's the bright type character in um in, in in age? I wish I wish I wish Foot had a little bit more bright in him, as in corrections. <laughs> where, where is he? He's sorely missed. That's where. <laughs> so. Okay, moving on. Yokozuna Bill Bulldozer says hello. Gundam is known for its custom Ace Pilot repaints, such as the Shar custom suits, Ramba Raw, Zaku 1, Fetty Use Zaku 2, mm-hmm. as well as the Wolf is My Homeboy edition of the H2. <laughs> of all the custom mobile suits that have been around, which do you guys think works the best in terms of color scheme, and what does not? Thank you. P.S. I found a Shar custom Juagu a while back from some modeling blog. I forgot where I got it exactly, but here's a link to the image. I stupidly clinked on it and it's 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 horrible. Uh, I don't want it. I don't want to see this. Oh no. my god, no. No. Thank god I don't go into the mailbag. I'm blind. <laughs> so what works what works good? Uh well, if you're Universal Century, uh you can't go wrong with red because even if you are not Char, you will freak people the hell out into thinking you are and those few seconds is enough for you to to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> I.e. Johnny Ridden. <laughs> yeah. I, Johnny Johnny Ridden actually has skills and it's just mistaken identity. Yeah, that's true. If you see people tend to have this like anytime they see a remote, it's like, oh my god, is it Char? Is he back? Is he really is he back for the fifth time? <laughs> yeah. We, we, we saw his body. We saw his dismembered body years ago. But did they? Re- did he come back from the dead? I'll tell you one I liked was uh, the DT custom of the Marasame, the Desert Tiger custom. Ooh, I like that. Out. That, was, that, was a, that was that was a cool suit. Of course, it was in a bad show. Uh, <laughs> it was a cool grunt suit, but you know you had the the DT uh, DT uh, desert colors. So why you put a guy with one eye behind uh, the 
behind a mobile suit? I, I have no earthly idea, but that, you know. that's the uh, that's the Kelly Lazner school of piloting. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, bad one, I would say mm-hmm. one that's that just doesn't appeal to me much is uh, Kate Madigan from Destiny Astray, who. Yeah. Um, owns pretty much every mobile suit ever apparently mm-hmm. but yeah. his distinctive color scheme is he just puts white stripes on them oh yeah. wow <laughs> well i i can fold the topic in on itself um i uh remember when uh gosh uh and i what's his name uh kira when he was piloting the strike rouge and uh he went ahead and put the colors back to the <laughs> the colors of the strike that uh that that was the best uh that was the best custom color job in that in that series i've got to say <laughs> even though it lasted for five minutes um outside of that I, I do dig the uh wolf is my homeboy edition of the age two i thought that was pretty cool um and amaro's uh amaro's uh zeta the the zeta was it the zeta three yeah it's kind of got the the velvet or the the light purple and the white i always like that uh that that custom of the zeta oh come on you didn't like uh what was that what was that awful thing he piloted in um oh in zeta yeah the thing yeah. with the big fins on the back oh, it looked that like thing was uh, horrible <laughs> it looked like the son of mecha godzilla yeah <laughs> it looked a little kaiju-esque I yeah the name of that but yeah his main suit in zeta not quite fitting. No, <laughs> they needed to give him a Zeta gun of stat, and I'm glad they did. Or what about the color of failure that uh, covered every mobile suit that Jared Mesa would just enter in the cockpit in? <laughs> <laughs> Why well, just color him brown for shit? <laughs> nice. All right, and our last question comes from EA Net dude, who says, "What are some of your favorite shots in a Gundam series slash movie?" For me, some shots stick in my head is the new and Sazabi slashing each other's cockpits. In 0080, the view in the Fetty control room of the high gog landing on the base and its arms slamming through the glass windows. Mm-hmm. In F91, the colony's windows breaking as the camera tracks down the hillside and turns right side up before the children run from the falling potatoes. Oh, wow. And when Wing Zero slashes the two black Virgos, then flies towards the camera as... We see all the intricate details of the Gundam's eye years. Hmm. All right, so a little, little technical, but I'll throw out one immediately in case you guys haven't thought of this. Uh, that? One that sticks out to me is from the very last episode of Victory Gundam, near the end, when uh, Uso lands in this uh, cylindrical piece of Angel Halo, uh-huh. and it's this long panning shot down the whole cylinder. And, and at the end is Katagina in her mobile suit standing there waiting for him. Yeah. Yeah, that is that, cool. That was that was very cinematic for the and that series had a lot of cinematic shots as well. Um man, um for me, I always liked the uh I I don't want to call it cinematography, but art direction for the uh the conflict or the the showdown inside grips in Zeta Gundam. Yes. Where, uh, where it was uh Char was outgunned by uh both uh Haman and uh Scirocco and just the way that whole the whole set piece for that was outstanding up until where Shar and Haman ended up uh duking it out inside that uh was it a a a, a derelict battleship? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. this just the art direction for that whole scene was great. Um oh uh, another one from Zeta the the scene in the theater um where they're all pontificating and talking to each other. I just like how that whole scene <laughs> was directed. But um I, that's that's what I'll throw out there. All right, I like 
I like it. Uh, I like the shot of when it's what the end of uh, the good season of Double O, the first season, <laughs> when you see the O Gundam, and you always kind of figured that it was the RX seventy eight dash two clone. But then you actually see it, and you're like, holy crap. And then the fact that when the voice comes out from ribbons, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> All I need to do is close my eyes. I'm watching uh, First Gundam. Holy shit. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, the, there's, there's a lot of cool ones in, um, the, uh, in, in, in Zeta, too. And um, actually, too, uh, what is it? Uh, I, I, do, I do have to kind of get with him with uh, the thing with Wing Zero and its eyes. That was kind of cool to see that. Anytime when they give, like, the weird detail of the face of the Gundam is always interesting, especially the eyes. Because, you know, the iconic thing is the eyes flashing when, you know, a beatdown's about to happen or something <laughs> like that. But when you see, like, how kind of mechanically dead they are, you know, or, or all the gears and stuff in it, it's kind of cool. So. I got one more to throw out. Go for mm. it. This is from the uh, last episode of G Gundam, mm -hmm. where oh. when uh, Domon and Rain take down the Devil Gundam, just for the hell of it, for for dramatic impact, it switches to a widescreen shot. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That of, was of them like blasting through the the Devil Gundam. You um, know the other the other cool thing in that episode is when he finally gets all the way down to where. Uh, Rain is being held by the Devil Gundam, and it goes to a wide screen where you're seeing the God Gundam on one side, and you're seeing her on the other, and he's just like, "Oh my God, I can't believe she's stuck in this thing." And then, mm -hmm. of course, it goes through all that other, you know, the, to back into the scene that Chris is going in. That's pretty iconic too. Oh, I'm glad you brought up G Gundam because uh, I, ju I just remember that whole series was inspired by cinema. Um, you know, a lot of the episodes uh, have wow. a lot of a television uh, show being inspired by cinema. Well, hmm. no, but I mean, they, they made a point to point that out. And one of going five episodes back from the last episode, um, the showdown with Master Asia and Domon, where um, Master Asia dies in the arms of Domon, and you got that yeah. shot of them from the back, and you see the ocean. You know, that's taken straight from a lot of Chinese, um, Chinese. Oh, that's uh, a straight up kung fu. That's a straight up kung fu movie right and, there. And just, uh, just, uh, just the the impact of that was 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 really good I, I just would rewind that scene and just watch it again and again well i have to say too and this might sound cheesy mm -hmm. but it, there's actually two but probably the most popular one is the standing rx-78 shooting up without its head and stuff because in the end that's kind of what ended up becoming the i you know the 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 picture uh, reference for most all of Gundam. I mean, they use that in so many different things. Well, that's one of the most iconic images in all of anime. Period. Yeah, yeah. gets that, referenced a lot. That and the scene of that in oh, what is it? The, is it the first or the second episode when he does the slash through the Zaku and he's down and he's kind of holding it as you see, and the, the Zaku is kind of hanging in midair. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then it explodes. That's pretty damn cool too because how many. How, how many uh, mecha shows after that have stolen that shot? That shot and also Camille and Jared with uh, we'll shoot at the same time and it hits right in the middle. Oh, yeah. It, how many times? Gundam was... itself has stolen from many times. Yeah. I, Gundam itself, but uh, a lot of other animes. I mean, we see, I think, I, I think it was in Code Geass. I mean, the list goes on and on of all this stuff. But I'll, I'll throw out one last one also from G Gundam. Mm -hmm. And this is episode 48. And there's a shot where um, all five of the Shuffle Alliance Gundams get into this elevator to go down in the colony. And just this shot of all five of them, plus the fact that it's an elevator that's mobile suit sized. <laughs> 
was a really neat scene, like how far these five had come, that they started all off as enemies and then they became bros for life fighting to the end. Hell yeah. Man, I, that, scene, that series alone is just loaded with a lot of, a lot cool. of great imagery. I got, I got a cool one too. Mm-hmm. Is and this has made that Joker even cooler. You knew it was cool when you're beginning to watch this show, uh-huh. but when uh, old Trey's does the old checkmate with the sword battle with Wufe, and he just and he just twits it at his neck, and Wufe is about to go in rage mode because he wants to get killed, and Trey's just takes back that sword, puts it up to his face, and says, "It was a good battle. I can't wait for the next one." It's like, yes. <laughs> Mind up. <laughs> All right. Well, we could go on with this forever. But I, I actually think, could be uh, a topic. <laughs> you, you should have put that in uh, the topic submission thread. <laughs> maybe, maybe he should have. But yeah. uh, we'll we'll put into that now, and uh, maybe we might revisit it in the future. Who knows? So that uh, wraps up the mailbag, and I will now turn it back to you, Soulbro. All right. Well, before we close this episode out, any last thoughts from anybody? Any uh. Any, any things you guys forgot to mention or anything like that? Kill all the vegans. Oh, oh man. Look at this guy. This guy pro, pro-Earth. How dare he? <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait to see some of those hopes and dreams being crushed. <laughs> well, if, if anything, uh, th- it, thanks to everybody who listened. And uh, when you have time, definitely peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. M-A-H-Q. That's the Mecca and Anime Headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam.net. That's right, it's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A Jack of All Trades Otaku Podcast, hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and our favorite pedal bear South, Pedro Cortez. I also have a few shout-outs to give. I, I want to extend my thanks to uh, Ed Chavez for joining us this episode, and um, definitely check out vertical-inc.com. From all of us. From all of us. But um, I just wanted to, 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 to definitely extend my thanks there. And um, also... I want to give a shout out to uh, Doctor from the SSAA podcast. Oh, were you all one of their episodes? I, I, I was actually. Um, I, I, was I was waiting uh, to see. I was I, waiting to see what podcast you were on this 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 past week or so because that should be a recurring theme too. Actually, we should. Me and Chris should I just do a thing of we should just bet which one do you think he's on. Oh, I think he was on this one. No, I was only in a small part of it. He um, he interviewed me as part of episode ninety for the SSAA podcast. He wanted to talk to people who are involved with different podcasts. Uh, and he interviewed me for a few minutes, and uh, I was in there. But I, I, it's episode 90 of uh, the SSAA podcast, which you can get from, I should say, the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast, which you can download from SSAAPodcast.com. Um, and many thanks to him for having me on. Uh, also, happy birthday to uh, Dollar Relance. He, he joined us the previous episode to review uh, Pat Labor TV, and he's also edited many of our, um, many of our specials, edited and produced. So happy birthday to him. We're actually recording on his birthday, so I wanted to. Uh, yeah, happy, happy birthday! birthday. Keep, keep keep slaving away. There you go. <laughs> if you want to wish him happy birthday, find him on his Twitter. That's Dolo D O L L O W R, as in Roger. Um, say happy birthday to him on there, even if it's belated. Um, so is there is there a segment of Gundam fan that only recognizes that the only host of it is uh, Solbro Ryu? <laughs> 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 oh my god! I wonder about that because uh, he's 
he's you know being Doc. invited to uh talk from other people from other podcasts and oh stuff God. doc and i talk all the time so uh if anything he happened to ask me if i i wanted to participate and i i told him yeah so i, I was happy to be a part of it <laughs> um and also find us on stitcher i've been meaning uh to, to 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 say this more but if you have the stitcher app on your phone your smartphone you can download gundam from there and um it helps us out too if you do so thank you very much um to everybody who has and everybody who will and if there's no nothing else to add um that's it for episode 109 of gundam at mahq we'll see you guys next time What are you doing? Shoot her! You'd better stay out of this! I'll make you pay! I'll make you pay! This dark feeling that's inside you, don't let it take over your heart. It won't do any good. Don't let it consume you. Fight it! For children to be consumed by their parents' wishes is the way of the world. I'm not wrong to feel the way I do. What they left you was not a wish. It's a curse! It's the same! Our parents gave us life. We're bound by blood to carry out their wishes. Curse or not, it's our duty! You're a hypocrite. Your power was given to you by your parents, too! Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. What's wrong? Elevator up? I think I just broke up with Mark. Oh. Really? I think so. So go home. Nope. I'm ready to work. You win again. You could have just told me it was your birthday. Right, and there'd be no repercussions. So now this is my fault? Well, it's not my fault. You don't have a family or friends or anywhere else to go. Go. Go run to him, like in the movies. You don't have to be here. I do have to be here because of some stupid idea from Danny, who you had to hire because you stole his other stupid idea because you were drunk. Don't get personal because you didn't do your work. And by the way, I know it kills you, but guess what? There is no Danny's idea. Everything that comes in here belongs to the agency. You mean you? As long as you still work here. Is that a threat? Because I've already taken somebody up on one of those tonight. Relax. You know what? Here's a blank piece of paper. Why don't you turn that into glow coat? Are you out of your mind? You gave me 20 ideas, and I picked out one of them that was a colonel that became that commercial. So you remember? I do. It was something about a cowboy. Congratulations. No, it was something about a kid locked in a closet because his mother was making him wait for the floor to dry, which is basically the whole commercial. It's a colonel. Which you changed just enough so that it was yours. I changed it into a commercial. What, are we going to shoot him in the dark in the closet? That's the way it works. There are no credits on commercials. You got the Cleo. It's your job. 
I give you money, you give me ideas. And you never say thank you. That's what the money is for. You're young. You will get your recognition. And honestly, it is absolutely ridiculous to be two years into your career and counting your ideas. Everything to you is an opportunity. And you should be thanking me every morning when you wake up, along with Jesus, for giving you another day. Oh, come on. I'm sorry about your boyfriend, okay?